Hello there, and welcome to the Casual Coders Podcast. My name is Kyle. I'm here with uh, Ian, Alex, and Chandler. Um, let's get right into the topics today. I'm super excited. So Chandler. We got a good one for you today. Excited, excited. We're going to try to avoid uh, news topics and just <laughs> talk about fun things. We want to so. talk about casual coder stuff. Let's talk casual, about casual coder stuff. Casual coder stuff. All right, Ian, you need a freaking password manager, and so do you, Alex. I already use a password manager. What is your password I manager? I the built-in Firefox one. It's great. But do you okay. use random passwords? Yes. Okay, good. Good. Alex? Uh, here's how I am about this. I don't want to get too deep into it. One, I tried, by obscurity? I tried a password manager. I think I tried LastPass maybe 10 years ago. And at the time, it wasn't for me. Maybe, maybe I'd give it another shot. But here's what I do now. I wrote a program in Python that is a cipher that I have not seen anyone use yet. That I was super into in high school. It's it's I'll, it's got matrices, and I'll leave it at that. I was super into this. Thought it was super cool. I could encrypt stuff, so I created my own. Uh, it's not base sixty four, but it's kind of like that, where you could encode stuff in this uh, you know encryptable format, and then wrote down my passwords in there. So I have an encrypted file that has a list of the passwords I actively use. I reuse passwords for the websites I don't care about. You know, your random form with GTA mods, yeah, I'm gonna use the same password on like three other websites. My financials, they have a completely different password. I don't, I don't mess around with financials and then important accounts like Google because it controls all my other accounts. Those ones I got good passwords on, but everything else I'm like, what is it, nine characters? All right, here's some random garbage. That's good enough. I don't feel like I need a password manager. I mean, my passwords are better than most people's, I would say. All of my passwords are random 32 character strings. That's silly. That is a little silly. I agree with no, that. No, it's Alex, not right? because that makes it in literally impossible for Oh, any- okay. man. They can't use one of these to crack your password. All right. Here's where I'm at at this. That's great if the website supports it, but I tried to set my password for my bank to have a pound symbol in it. And they're like, that's not an acceptable character. What? Okay. We can My get down the rabbit hole that, of bad so. restrictions for passwords already if they're like, <laughs> your true. password can't be this. I'm like, why are you even reading it? Stop reading the password. Just just store it somewhere, please not in plain text, and we're good. We just don't store need the rules. hash like you're supposed to. Right, but there's so many people that are like, oh, your password can't be the same as someone else's. I mean, there's so much bad code do, out there. Do they there. still do that? No, I they thought, don't. I mean, okay. well, some... It just Maybe depends. they do. It's right in the dictionary. Well, a, so, a company a that we used to work for had a bad <sighs> habit of asking us for our passwords over email, and I went no, and the IT guy got mad. So I'm yeah, like, this, what the hell? this opened my eyes to the corporate world when um, <laughs> when they're like, okay, welcome here. You know, this is your onboarding. Here's what we need to tell you about IT. Blah blah blah, and they'll tell you the spiel. Never give your password to anyone. We're not going to ask for your password. And then I needed a computer thing, and they're like, hi, yes, this is IT. What's your password? And I thought that was a joke. I was like. <laughs> Good one, guys. No, I'm not, I, I'm not going to give you my password. And they said, no, but well, we need to install this on your computer. And I th- what? Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> you need my password? No. And so I finally, last time I talked to IT, this is after we switched to the more corporate IT, um, they at least said, okay, we will reset your password for you, and then you can just set it again. And I, I thought at least that was a compromise for somebody that did not understand like network security at a company. Though I, I worked there when the IT was not the corporate IT, and it oh, was no. like the smaller town IT guy. Who there were two pretty, IT people. They, there was they two took IT shifts. guys yeah. that ran the entire company mm-hmm. pretty much, and a company of 1,500 people. It's mm-hmm. a lot of people. It was a lot guys. of people for two guys. So every time I needed something done to my, which it seemed like it was always us engineers who were knocking on their door like, hey, my always computer. Always need software. We always, always need, need new hardware. stuff on our computers. So every time, I, what I would always do is I would do what, your, the new corporate IT mm-hmm. does. I would set a random password. Mm-hmm. I would give them the new random password, mm-hmm. and then I would change it back to my old password. Mm-hmm. 
That's what I would always do. And that's do. that's the compromise. That's basically yeah. what you get. But I had to do it for them. Yep. Which was annoying. Yeah, at least they did it for me last time. I needed them to do something. So one thing we might have jumped the gun is, what is a password manager? Oh, it's just a piece of software that encrypts all of your passwords, so that way only you can access them. And it automatically generates new passwords for you. Yeah, for you. you can also They're effectively encrypted passwords. It's just a giant long string yeah. of random digits and characters. Yeah, which means them impossible to guess. Which is exactly impossible why. to guess. Yes. I, I like them. That's why I prefer. I them. mean, they're great, but I'll jump back on. You don't need a thirty-two character super secure password for some dumb. Okay, like, dodgy that's fine. But if my password manager stores it anyway, I don't give a shit. See, that's I think I mean, that's yeah, the sure. But I can see the point with people saying that like. Passwords in general should be two things. They should be hard to guess and easy for you to remember. And yeah. what password managers do is they say, well, I'll make it impossible to guess, and but impossible also impossible to remember. to remember. So the only convenience there is like, you need the you need the app or the program or something on your phone at all times or else you can't enter your password. So yeah. for most people that's a non-issue, I guess, like that are super into, you know, I have it on my phone, I have it everywhere, but for like yeah. a public computer, I could see how well, that make my, it difficult. My specific password manager I'm using, I'm not going to say what it is because security by obscurity. <laughs> okay. Um, but my specific password manager allows you to log in through, through any internet browser using three-factor authentication. That's a lot of factors. Three-factor Well, up to three factors. I think I only That's have good. two enabled. I'm all for multi-factor um, authentication, which, basically removing the need for passwords at all. Well, then I, that's the next topic I, I want us to talk about. Well, but, let's talk about it. Oh, let's talk about it. So I'm actually in the camp that I think we should get rid of passwords. I, I think see. We should, that's I think it. we should only use two-factor authentication to authenticate people. I mean, a pin at this point is completely unnecessary. It's not helpful. You could guess every pin with a computer in seconds at the worst. I use 2FA it's on accounts that support It's basic security, though, like a lock, right? You put a lock right. on your front door, but you have glass windows. The sure. easiest way into your house is to smash a glass window and dive through. And I think that's a great but argument for not needing to be to all sweaty just, about passwords, right? Right. The pin is just to prevent some, you know, low-level. A pin is bars on your windows. Right. Exactly. It's a super like, you know, it's the lock on your front door. Sure, it's easy enough to bypass if you put enough time into it. Right. But it's faster to just, I don't know, whatever. You could steal an iPhone or whatever and you resell that sure. or steal someone's phone and sell it back as opposed to trying to break into their, I don't know, whatever account. But modern two-factor authentication methods such as T-O-P-T or something like that. I don't know what else. What I don't does that want mean? to deal with another let app. Me, let me look up what it's with, called. In, I don't want to deal with entering you, a You're sounding like a boomer right now. Every time. <laughs> I am a fucking Back boomer. in my day, we just had a... Yeah, back in my day, we just write down our little password. Yeah, put it in a notebook in the drawer. But here's the problem. One, yeah. SMS is inherently insecure, so you can't use yeah, that. Course. That's yes, a bad I idea. I mean, so is HTTP, right? But I mean, it's so not That's not what it is. It's something. It's it's a different standard. It's used by all the major authentication apps. And basically, the idea is is that your PIN is only good for 60 seconds or something like sure. that. Sure. So you have, to, you have 60 seconds to input your PIN or else it goes away. And if you guess it wrong more than twice, they just wipe it and make you try a new one. That's fair. That way, you can't have a hacker going through and trying every single pin as fast as possible. Right. It'd be yeah. impossible. Sure. So that's the two-factor authentication that I support. Now, a lot of newer websites I've noticed, like um, Vercel is a good example, as well as a few other, especially very software programmer type crowds. Mm -hmm. Instead of having a password, they'll just either have you authenticate with a known account that has two-factor authentication, like GitHub. Yeah. Or they'll have you put in an email. Instead of sending, having you set a password on that email, they'll just send you a code every time right. to log in. Yeah, a lot of websites are doing that. I now. would rather have that. That's fair. It feels more secure to me. Now, that being said, if someone hacks my email, I'm screwed. I, I, I would know. rather have two-factor on that. I would rather have, oh, you have to put in a code from your Authenticator app, and you get an email. 
I know that's what I would want. This is like kind of a bad, I'll just bring it up. I think this is something I found as a big inconvenience though about like two-factor authentication for me personally that I know maybe some other people, I don't know what your experience is in this, but I live a little bit far out from the city. I mean, we're not in like the boonies, but we're not like near downtown either. And my cell reception is actually really bad. So if I need a multi-factor authentication code, like texted to me, it sucks. I don't get service in my house most of the time. I mean, just recently I was able to get slightly better service, but I work in the basement and I'll have to like make an effort to go upstairs if I want to take a phone call or if I want to log into a website. And sometimes, you know, if you connect back to the tower, you still got to wait maybe five minutes. I, I, last time I tried to log in at Coinbase, I could not log in because every single time, by the time I got the code, it had expired already. Does Coinbase force you to use the SMS or can you have another two-factor authentication I had method? to use a code on my phone and I was so pissed about it. So I, I mean, I don't know if I can change that now. I hadn't, I'm not really active on Coinbase, but I mean, I just, it was so inconvenient. So I mean, like there's a better way of doing it. I'm thinking. My, my um, bank requires me to use SMS and I hate it. I would rather yeah. them not use SMS. I would rather them use some other standard for two-factor. Hmm. I think it would be more secure. We could do a lot better. What about a physical key? Like, oh, yeah, the, the physical, the UBT hardwares. I mean, I'm also, I have a similar issue with that as I do with the two-factor authentication. I'm, I I don't often keep my phone on me. I'll uh, leave it at a desk or run around or whatever or forget it or like not man. think to check it or care about it. Like I'm are, not Woodsman, that huh? connected to my phone it does where it's constantly a, yeah, on never me. Mind. <laughs> like if I, I could go outside or I could go somewhere, I don't need to carry a computer on me. Okay, so so how am I getting in, right? I'm I would forget one hundred percent a flash drive. I can barely remember to bring my own yeah. phone or wallet with me. Well, my you know wallet how it lives in my backpack, okay. and oh, I just geez. bring that with me to school. I've forgotten my wallet driving places and whatever. Oh, that's so terrible. Many times, I'm like the complete opposite. I'm like, oh, I'm driving somewhere. I, where's I my, my wallet? wallet? Yeah, where's yeah. my wallet? That's how I am too. Yeah. So I'm under the opinion that I think the best form of security for authenticating to a website is the way that I'm going to go back to crypto again, <laughs> the oh way that God. crypto authentication should be. And it is going to be with peer to peer authentication of RSA, where you have a pr public and a private key and every couple of weeks you switch them out. That's interesting. I think that is the best way for security, but nobody is going to do that. Well, see, it's so much how work. Do you, where's it's the key? so much work. Where do you keep the key? Exactly. And that's like, the problem. Like for example, with SSH, cause I use, I remote into computers mm -hmm. a lot. Um, I like using SSH and I like having a private key on my laptop and I have a public key on my server. That way I can do SSH my server and auto connects. I don't need a password. Right. It just uses the private key and it encrypts it and all that other fun stuff. Yep. So like, and that's how I think authentication on a website should be. I think yeah. your browser should store a, priv uh, a private key. So when you go to that website, it authenticates with the private key like SSH. And if you want to do another factor of authentication, like it texts you a code or not texts you, but like it sends you a code on sure. your phone or your email or whatever. Cool. That's another factor of authentication that you can use. Well, I guess like, I mean, you'd have to encrypt the keys on the browser. Only yeah. if it's a public browser though. Cause for example, my private key is not encrypted on my laptop. I guess because, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It's mine encrypted because who the hell is going to have it's access to my laptop? Have. I, then why do you use a password manager, right? I use a password. Your laptop is, I don't know. Right? No, I use a password manager because hackers, because people can <laughs> access those services without me on my laptop. That's why I use a password manager because I can make random passwords. They can't guess. If you I don't have, have to, hackers have gotten smart and they'll actually check dictionary words and combinations oh, yeah. first. Yeah. So that's why I'd rather use a random password. It's more secure. Right. That being said, realistically, no, I don't need a 32 <laughs> character random password on my Discovery no. Plus account. No. No, because no. the only people like, I don't know, but still it Take makes me feel better sure. to have but it like that. The password manager I have actually has a feature where you get to choose between a super uh, crazy hack. Oh yeah, like or saying. you can do the, um, what is it? You can switch it to the phrases where it's like a bunch of random words. Oh yeah, passphrases. Yeah, so that way you don't have the issue you're saying, which is like a, 
I think that you totally can't so guess. It's easy to remember. I don't know. That's and just so much more susceptible to a dictionary attack. But yeah, I well, no, disagree. It, it does mix in other characters too, okay. though, to make sure it's it's uh, good. But sure, but it's I can just very do that on my own, though. I don't know. Well, the thing is, the problem is that when people do it on their own, they almost always will just be too lazy to like come up with something new. So they'll mm -hmm. use their old passwords. Like, oh yeah, I know people like football one. <laughs> yeah, right? for everything. Oh, I gotta have a new password. Football, football too. <laughs> my, my grandma's account, like, they got all of my accounts at once. How did they do that? And I'm like, did you use the same password and everything? And then she's like, <laughs> there's your yeah. problem. And like, there's your problem. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's just, all right. So I don't know. Does anyone else have any final thoughts about 2FA and passwords and stuff? I actually security? really have been most pleased out of all the multi-factor authentication methods with the code generators on my Well, that's phone. what that's what I'm talking about, where the code generators, where they generate a code and you have to put it like Steam Guard. Yeah, I completely Everyone forgot has to, about it. They basically pretty much force you to use Steam Guard, which I think is yeah, great. Authy, the um, one thing Google I don't like about that is that it's just yet another program on my phone. I mean, that's I don't fair. care about it, like two megabyte on program on your phone. I care about battery life, all that stuff. So it I'd rather just get the text. Either. It doesn't I affect don't anything. Care. Okay, but here's the thing. Don't ever use Google Authenticator. I hate okay. it. You know why? Google Authenticator doesn't back up your account. It okay. is locked locally to your phone. Yeah. And while I am normally... I have backup codes in my wallet. See, now that's great. You have backup codes, but here's... <laughs> Over 10 years old. Yeah, but that's, you think they'll still work? Oh, I know they will. Oh, you know they will? Yes. Okay. I've used the, one of them. Here's nice. The, here's the problem with, with, my, with like that. I would, whenever I got this phone, I was using Google Authenticator, okay? Mm -hmm. So when I wanted to transfer all of the two-factor authentication codes to this phone. Oh, yeah, that is a pain. I had to scan a QR code on my old phone. That doesn't sound inconvenient. It, it, it was a little inconvenient. You have to do that to set it up anyway, right? Yeah, but you know how Authy does it? It's your phone number and they send you an SMS. That's fair. They don't have a password either. I mean, wouldn't you argue then that I guess that Google is more secure. It's just more irritating for you. Yeah. It's just more I think it is more secure, but if I like, say, for example, I Google, lost my secure? phone, That's a strange I'd be screwed. I got to say, I really love Discord's login with the QR code. You just scan it. I love that. That is so Dude, cool. I That's my favorite those. thing. Those are one of my favorite. I think that- <laughs> You again, just scan it and you're in. Telegram yeah. has the same feature. It's really nice. <laughs> it's so fun. I think that should be that. another feature that should be implemented more. I wish everybody did that. Yeah, I don't do that either. Whatever. <laughs> But yeah, so I'm the one odd one at this table. Just like, yeah, whatever. I'd rather right. just have a text. Oftentimes, no reason for me to use 2FA. I'd rather have the choice between using it or not. Fair instead enough. Of being forced to Dude, use if it. I, like, for certain some, things, I would consider obviously it's a super important like, password. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> if I could, I'll I have 2FA. But I don't know. Most of the stuff I do isn't like, you know, 2FA worthy. What about your bank? Yeah, it's got 2FA on it. Okay, good. <laughs> But that's like the main thing, right? That needs 2FA. And mm -hmm. my, I, I don't want anyone accessing my damn IRA. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I'd rather have the choice, right? I, I see the uh, many, well, many I'm of assuming, my uh, Let me guess, you have Steam Guard though, right? Yeah. Because they pretty much force you to or else like you lose out on a bunch of functionality. Steam sends me an email with a password. Okay, that's close enough. I think they give you the same functionality as long as you use email. Yes, effectively. But I want to switch topics a little bit. Yeah, password, password. Pass, NAS, NAS. <laughs> well, no, that's actually the topic I was going to because I mentioned SSH. I'm thinking SSH, servers. Kyle just built a server. Yeah. I built a server. We I do hear yeah. all about it. Oh, man. There's, there's one other last thing I want to say about passwords. Though. Okay. Let's yeah. yeah. Get the last word in. The last word in is uh, I want to mention, let's say there's someone listening right now mm -hmm. who totally has been using Football One for all their passwords. What is a recommendation for them in a nice, easy, simple to digest manner of like, choose a what do you need in order to have? Choose a correct. stronger password. 
two-factor authentication, but I guess Ian's saying that he doesn't like it because it's inconvenient, but I'm still going to preach and say you should have two-factor authentication on everything. I mean, it's one of the top 100 most used accounts. That's so sad. I guess it does depend. If it's like some random forum account, I guess it doesn't matter that much. It's your bank password. Oh, man, my Reddit account got hacked. Yeah, like your high school account. I feel like that was the one that was uh, really prone to all those silly-ass passwords. People would always be like, oh, yo, my password is 12345, and they were proud of it. They didn't care. Yeah, <laughs> like, but okay. Like, okay, but your bank should be something strong yeah. and secure. And Care, you should have two-factor Know what you should care about. That's my advice to those people is know what you should care about. If, if I you, think that's good advice, yeah. Yeah. If, if you want to be more secure... If you want to be like me and have random 32-character passwords for everything, do it. If you want to just have only, be like Ian and only having 2FA and secure passwords on your bank, that's fine, too. It's just I'm paranoid, and I would rather be paranoid. I would recommend to use a password manager, though, for yeah. the average person. Yeah. Like, I agree it can be a little bit more annoying, but they have ways around it where there's browser extensions mm-hmm. or an well, yeah, application like, you have on your phone. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm going to continue this topic. My I, girlfriend's mom, all the time, she's like, I, I don't remember my password. And I'm like, okay, cool. Why? Yeah. Like, I, I, that's the thing. And then they, then she complains about how, and I guess I've complained about my girlfriend's boomer mom too much. I need to stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, Judy. Um, so, but she needs to, like, sit down, either write down all of her passwords. And I, and I, that's another thing. Is like, is it okay to have all my passwords written down on paper? Yeah. It's not digital. A hacker can't look it up or somehow get into it. The yeah, only way right. they can they do that is they break into your house. <laughs> right. Which you could argue is one of the three factors of something exactly. you have. You know? Yeah. So, so if you want to do what I do. A list of all your passwords in be, your desk drawer is a factor of authentication. Yeah. If you yeah. want to be super paranoid like me and generate all random passwords, but then instead of storing them in a password manager, you write them down in a book, I would consider that acceptable. For yeah. the person out there, though, I guess, uh, when you're using a password manager, technically you are having... There's a company that makes password managers, right? Mm-hmm. They're right, and you're trusting them that they yeah. Yeah, got it's like a VPN. There, but there are open source alternatives where you can host it yourself if you're technical enough. Yeah, but, they, mm-hmm. but, that, but the sure, the you're still person, relying yeah. on code that they wrote. and that But that it's op- code what if it's secure. open source, though? Uh, the are, average person. Is your average individually going to look I through know, source code? Last I pass, know. or what's or the other one? Or even have the Bitwarden, intelligence to look Bitwarden. through source code um, and verify Usually, that like, NordVPN is its own now, too. No fucking way. Right? And NordVPN is I'm not even... I'm, I'm educated in this sphere, and I don't have the knowledge or experience to look through the source code of Bitwarden yeah, but and normally, say, yes, this is good. <laughs> I'd have no clue. Yeah, but it normally, would take me years to figure that out. But normally... So you're going to say, oh, it's open but, source, but normally, so you can verify it. No, I can't. <laughs> but normally. But normally. Normally, it's not uh, open source being a way to have the code be transparent. It's not that the end user should go and read the code and verify right. themselves. Sure, it's that the it's developers good. can it's verify. That, it's that everyone can verify, right. can verify together. It requires, sure. it's, it's like trustless. It means that my yes. code is out in the open, and if there's something wrong with it, someone will call yeah, me out on know. my bullshit. Yeah. yeah, because there are people who care. Yeah, there are. there are people sure. who will sift through your source code and make an issue or a pull request that says, hey, there's a vulnerability there's here. There's a typo. It. At some point, you've got to get big enough for that as well, though, right? True. Some so, small open source project, that's not going to happen. That's not going to be a good trust that, huge And it's a good project, reason to not randomly use a project you haven't seen anywhere else. Yeah, know? like we discussed in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, yeah. so Kyle, your so NAS. Anyway, NAS. Yes, the NAS. NAS. My NAS. I'm building a NAS. What is a NAS? A network, network attached storage. Attached storage. It's basically a computer with a crap load of hard drives that you yes. connect to from another computer. Think of it as like a, a, I guess a work file network. server, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess a work file server is... You store it on the project drive. Right? In our, oh, so man. I'm going to spoil a little bit. We already <laughs> built this NAS, and there's a video coming soon on the channel. Ooh, stay tuned. About it. Uh, yeah, what? I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, you're, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it should be just, interesting. We set it up so it's running. Okay, no, I'm like Kyle. No, no, you go, you go, you go. Well, I, I'm the one that set up all the software, so I guess I know all about the software. Let's hear about the software. Well, let me start with the hardware first, then we'll get to the software. All right, okay, go, yeah. go ahead. It's a physical computer, right? Mm-hmm. And 
I built myself a computer when I was in college. And this computer is a little old, but it has a relatively modern-ish graphics card on it. It's a oh, okay, <laughs> relatively modern-ish. It's a, my ass. It's a this is relatively modern-ish. <laughs> it is. It's a one little generation above this guy. Yes. You could say relatively modern-ish and be referring to a 750 Ti. With today's graphics okay. card stuff, I yeah. would say so. Because it's just it's really accessible. hard to get graphics cards right yeah. now. But um, it's a, uh, I think, maybe a seventh or eighth generation uh, it's i7. Six, it, is a, it is an a ninth gen i5 9400. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's a nine, Sorry, I don't know why I was thinking 6400, but you're right. It's a 9400. Because yeah, that's what, what I have. Yep. Yeah, an i5. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's what it was. It uh, has a uh, GTX 1080 tie in it. <laughs> TI. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nvidia. I'm going to call Hot it take. TI. Hot <laughs> take. <laughs> um, the so GTX 1080 titanium. Yep. So I like that sound cooler than tie. Than yeah. tie. <laughs> it really would. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, the computer was great. It can do quite a, quite a lot, honestly. I now have a computer that can do more than it, which is I use as my daily driver. So there's other computers using it as a server computer. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, for this project, we decided to make it turn that computer into a NAS. So I went out. Uh, now it's a storage computer. A storage computer. Oh. So I went out and wanted to go buy a bunch of hard drives in order to put in this device. That way, these hard drives can be accessed, you know, from the network with all the software uh, channel is about to talk about. Mm -hmm. But then I had to decide, you know, which hard drives to get. And it seems like there's two major companies. Mm -hmm. There's Seagate and there's Western Digital. And they're- Both okay. good names. Yep, and they're like the primary uh, hard drive manufacturers. And so for anyone else who's currently building NAS, if you're going with the highest tier uh, storage option, which I try to do, I got 18 terabyte drives. That's what's the highest and available right now. They just shipped 22 20s, terabytes. No, they yeah. shipped 22 terabyte hard drives this year. Yep, that's cool. And that's they did have 20 terabyte drives, but I couldn't buy any 20 terabyte drives. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're probably out. being bought by all the data centers yeah. and such. So, yep, that too. Um, so I was going to get uh, Iron Wolf Pro drives from Seagate. Um, they're kind of expensive, crazy expensive, you know? They're like $700 <laughs> a piece. And then, yeah, but that's also 18 terabytes yeah. for a single hard drive. But then I went but to- yeah, it's 650, I think they were. Yeah, and then I went to Western Digital though, and they also had 18 terabyte drives in their WD Red Pro series line, and they were only $400. Hmm. That's like a crazy difference there for the same thing. But it did turn out that the- uh, the Exos. Yeah, the, well, the Iron Wolf Pros, the reason why they were so much more expensive is because they had like the data recovery service. Yeah, the so if Iron you lost all your data, you could pay Seagate to recover it. The Iron Wolf I Pros include five years of data recovery. I think that's included in the price, so I think that's free. I could be mm. wrong. Yeah, though. Western Digital don't. Basically, that they only come with a year of warranty, and they no, will come with five years. I think they're designed years? to fail after it's a year. five years, but they don't have five the active recovery thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. do. Right. yeah, right. The Iron Wolves, I think you can ship them off to Seagate if they fail within five years, and they'll pull the date off. Yep. So then I went out, I'm like, all right, $400, that's a great deal, you know? So I bought these drives, uh, $400 a piece, bought quite a few of them. Um, and then when they're on their way over the course of like, you know, the week or two that they take the ship, I found another drive built by Seagate that I think I should have gone with instead called the Exos drives. Um, they're the like enterprise version. They're also 18 terabytes and they're way even cheaper. They're like $340 a piece. On paper, they have better specs, but I've heard that if you want actual like, properly reliable drives you go wd anyway i think that seagate technically see has james will fight you on that rates. james said james I, hates wd i don't know i have friends on both sides of the yeah, equation too. though it's such a hard thing. Thing i always to... bought wd although i think my current pc has a seagate drive in it as well i think it is both i think i have a seagate and a wd drive in my system hard drivers yeah. or ssd both hard drives my ssd yeah. is made by sovereign mm, i see sovereign sovereign i don't know so yeah. we so we took this I, pc up oh, good 
I don't know. I don't recall what I was going to say. Something about fighting between different <laughs> types of yeah. hard drive manufacturers and probably ultimately doesn't really matter. Yeah, true. <laughs> so each different person has a different experience. Well, it matters in terms of cost, though. Like right, under four hundred dollars, yep. that was good. But the three hundred and forty dollar variant—that's six twenty-five. I think they were as low as I saw. Sixty dollar per drive difference. Like that's a crazy amount of money. So it's like, do I send my drives back and wait for two weeks? Yeah, and then right. I read the thing. They have thirty days from when they receive them to give mm-hmm. me my money back. So I wait thirty days from when I get it back. And I mean, probably not, but that's what it says on paper. And then I buy the next, the new drives, and they take another two weeks to get here. So it's like we'll be delaying the NAS being built by like uh, two months. Two months. Yeah. Right. And or let's just you say that send back the drives, and then you buy new ones. And but here's the problem: Kyle issues. spent a lot of effing money on these drives. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was. Are six, you willing eight, to say how much it was? Yeah. I mean, I already said in the video we bought six drives, four hundred dollars a piece. So you can do the math. Twenty four hundred dollars in hard drives. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of money in hard drives. You got to get a whole you know. freight truck over to get it in. Well, they actually <laughs> sent them. It's like one hundred eight terabytes. <laughs> yeah. But they actually sent them to Kyle in like one of those boxes that has like the drive slots in them with the foam uh-huh. and everything. Uh-huh. And the reason why is because they expect you to be buying more than six in a bulk package. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yep. I mean, they still sent them to me, so that's good. So put them together, 108 terabytes, great amount, except uh, with how NASA's work, you generally have like parity mm-hmm. with, uh, un- where you, there's different software packages. Well, there's Unraid, there's TrueNAS, and you can also just use straight Linux if you want. Yep, and... Uh, but for that parity, generally you give up a drive in order to have it so that way if any of the drives fail, um, you can regenerate okay, that Unraid drive. Unraid works. It's not order. how other services this is, work. This is, Unraid specific. this is specifically Unraid, okay, how okay. their tech works. Uh, there are other RAID formats. but Well, normally when you think RAID, it's like one-to-one, where one drive fails, okay, you have a backup. That's right. normally how yeah. it works. Or they have it striped where, like, if you yeah. have three drives, one of them can fail or something like that. And there are just ways of redundancy. Yeah, there's different redundancy methods. Unraid is, it's usually, I think, one drive per, like, four or something like that. I was under the impression it's one drive, period. Maybe it is with one drive, period, can that fail. That seems so weird, but yeah. There are parity it's because really, of how the really parity works. Yeah. Sure. I still yeah. think, speaking of so which, I still think we should have two parity disks. We will once we upgrade. Yeah. I think it should be now. Because they're all from the same batch. So if one fails from that batch due to a manufacturing issue, the rest have a really high We can discuss this after I kind of explain more about Mm. the software, though. But yeah, go ahead and explain more about the software. Are you done talking about hardware? Uh, Well, long story short, we're not going to get the full 108 terabytes. We're going to get like 86-ish terabytes or something like that. uh, uh, Unraid rounds it up to 90. But you get good insurance on those drives if you lose any data. (laughs) That's true. How do you round up to 90? I don't know. It just says 90 terabytes in the menu, even though I think oh, okay. it's 89.6 or something yeah. like that. Okay, so you're rounding up 0.4 is it, terabyte, is it terabytes. Is it still 400 gigs? I don't know. It yeah. depends on which it, yeah, operating is it system you're reading it in. Or, yeah. I think What's Unraid the uses Windows format, but then all the Linux distro, uh, Linux VMs use terabytes. Great question. What's the difference? Well, you Actually, see. there technically <laughs> is no difference. There is, there a, is difference. a difference. There's exactly 24 number of bytes. So... This is one of those ways that you can look at it as manufacturers want to have their way of screwing out the consumer. You can look at it as, oh, it's just convenient for the general public. We all know here on the Casual Coders podcast and friends that one, right, one kilobyte, how many bytes? 1024. 1024, because it's the nearest power of two to a thousand, which is just how, you know, we like metric stuff. We like ways of condensing. So we like metric, but we also like two. base two. Yeah. Well, yeah, but computers need the base two. So of course we're all going to think in terms of, okay, one kilobyte, 1,024 bytes, one megabyte, 1,024 kilobytes, which is then whatever those are multiplied number of bytes. So when you, gar- when you, when you cascade up to the gigabytes and the terabytes, the math gets a little bit iffy. And the, the manufacturers came up with this cute little way of 
using the metric system creatively to represent these power of two values, where now we have, I don't know why they chose this, uh, kilobytes and kibibytes. I have no idea why they did that. The really interesting thing is there's some, I don't know if it's an ISO standard or whatever, where capital KB, like capital K, capital B, as you mm -hmm. see it in Windows, is actually the same as a kibibyte. It's also 1024, which is how Windows uses it. Yeah, it it's depends too. I think, I, I long story short. I totally short, see it always as just drive manual. Marketing. Long yeah, story short, marketing. Yeah. is one is 1024 and one right. is 1000. So yeah, the, what, what we use now is if we're using the metric prefixes, those uh, you know, kilo, mega, giga, tera, those ones are gonna be in metric format. They're gonna be every thousand. So there's 1000 kilobytes in a, a megabyte. megabyte, right? Instead of 1024. But what that then means is you buy a 30 terabyte drive or whatever, what was it, 18? So you buy your 18 terabyte drive and then suddenly Windows says it's like, oh, well, this is only uh, 16.5 terabytes because Windows is probably using- Tibibytes. Tibibytes. Well, it's using that ISO standard or whatever. Tibibytes. I have to find it. Yeah, it's IEC, they call it. Yes, so it's the binary go. values, right? So, yeah. and it's it's even more confusing because typically the, the IEC values, they have an I in between the terms. So a kibibyte is a capital K, lowercase i, capital B, kibibyte which represents 1,024 bytes, This right? is how Linux will represent it too. But Windows there's also the J-E-D-E-C kilobyte, yeah, which is capital K, capital B, which is the same thing. But then the lowercase k, capital B, kilobyte is 1,000 bytes. Why do they make this so complicated? Money, I don't know. So they can undersell you by however many bytes that is Whatever. what it seems like, isn't it's, it? It's, yeah. That's it, right? There's no reason for manufacturers to be like, well, technically we only know how to deal with 1,000 Yeah, stuff. we only know how to fit 1,000 bits in this disk when the base is two. I'm yeah. calling bull honky. You know why? Because every single one of those cylinders and every single one of those sectors, they're all powers of two. The allocation unit, the smallest fraction of a space on the drive is always gonna be a power of two. There's no reason for them to do this to us. They're doing it to screw us out of money. If you look well, at anyway. drives from 10, and probably more than that, <laughs> 20 years ago, they are proper ibibyte. Well, yeah, because like they they couldn't notation. afford you know to go that many layers up. And, yeah, and right. No, it'd be, you, 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 you had two megabytes. You, you knew it was two million. Now, yeah, many right. Thousand. It's exactly yeah. two. Yeah, megabytes. but now when we're getting to 18 terabytes, they can get away with that. They can yeah, just say, get eh, away don't with worry it, about it. Know, but then that cast 400 gigs or whatever it is, and it's like, oh well, sorry. We lost more than that though. We not only lost that in overhead, we also lost that in like. Well, yeah, we lost another 18 terabytes in parity. Right. Yeah. So. Let's go over the software it's running on Let's the Let's hear cast. about that software. So we're running Unraid, which is a fancy operating system that gives you a bunch of fun features like a file server and you can run virtual machines and you can run Docker containers and does all this fun stuff through a web GUI. Hmm. So then you can connect to it on Windows and it will just show up as like a normal Windows network drive. So you can just have it in the Windows file explorer and just use it like a normal drive as if you had it plugged into your computer directly. It's really nice. Now we have the issue of, okay, well, how do we make this so we can access it from outside of the network, but yeah. not have to worry about random people accessing our drives? Right. The solution, a VPN. Nice. So we're running WireGuard for our VPN, which uh, is, I think is better than OpenVPN, but it's for open source license reasons. It's Most, free. It's for, well, it's, it's more permissively licensed than OpenVPN. Okay. And it's more secure. Supposedly, I haven't tested it. Mm. Yeah, man, you're gonna go dive, dig into that uh, open source software and try to figure <laughs> out exactly yeah. how secure it is. Um, 
I've just read articles about it. Apparently, WireGuard is more secure because it's using a more modern encryption algorithm, whatever. Cool. Um, yeah, that's all I cared about. Like, okay, it's more modern, it's more supported, and it's a little faster. Cool, we're going to use that one. More better. Well, yeah, it's also mm -hmm. faster because, like, OpenVPN, you had, like, a, quite a lot of latency. WireGuard, it's negligible Weird. latency. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Oh, so, like, encryption latency or whatever? Yeah. The, so yeah. normally, like, when you did OpenVPN, you added, like, 50 milliseconds to your response time, and WireGuard only adds you a couple. You could totally game over that, man. You could totally game over that, but you can game even more over WireGuard because it only adds a couple milliseconds of latency. I so, was joking. 50 milliseconds of added latency. Well, it depends on who you ask. Because, like, my friends that had really crappy internet yeah, until last year. Don't bring year, it up. <laughs> like, my one friend gamed competitive Counter-Strike on 200 MS of ping. That's really painful. Yeah. I've done that when playing with a friend in Europe, and it was pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so. That was only, like, 150 milliseconds. Unraid well. has all these fun features, so we can run certain applications in Docker containers. We can run virtual machines for Kyle's game servers because he still yeah. wants to host some Arc servers and stuff on Ooh. it. Um, and then also we're running a VM that's going to be act as our video editing workstation, remote workstation. So say Alex wants to edit a video with us. We can just both remote in using Parsec. They use me as an example because they know I can't do it on my own station. Well, you <laughs> will be able to if you want, but. Yeah, no. And then also we, we wanted the ability to connect to the, the NAS outside of it. So say, for example, um, Ian, who is a premier guy, he doesn't know um, our normal editing software, which I've is tried to DaVinci use Resolve. I truly DaVinci Resolve. Woo, it it's out. free. It's so hard. But he it's doesn't just like a learning DaVinci. curve like everything. It's so, like learning curve that just is like impossible. Yeah. I'm just the opposite yeah. of you. I, I think Premiere is impossible. Oh, it's I'm a piece like, of shit. I'll say that openly. <laughs> How many times does Premiere crash in an episode editor? 97 times. Yeah. yeah I, like I we'll saw, put the number on screen if I remember. How many times are we at so far at editing this one? Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, we're generally a Resolve shop, but Ian prefers to use Premiere. So Ian can VPN into the NAS and then he can download the footage directly to his system. So then we had the issue of, and this is gonna get into some internet politics, the <laughs> fact that all of us have spectrum. And the problem oh, with spectrum no. is, spectrum. is that the download spectrum. speed is fine. I get 400 meg download. Kyle gets 400 meg download. I Ian get and, 200 meg download. Yeah, Ian and Kyle, or not Ian. Yeah, four, Ian two, and four, two. Uh, Alex yeah. both get four or 200. <laughs> Here's the problem. 10 Our, up. 10 up, and I get 20 up. That's impossible to edit it's videos awful. over. It's That's so impossible. Bad. It's so bad. So we had to go find a friend who had gigabit symmetric internet so we could actually download the videos in a timely manner. And Thank upload them to YouTube in time. And upload them to YouTube in time. Thank dream. you, well, Larry. Well, I have to download <laughs> stuff to run Premiere. That's going to be impossible anyway, but yeah. Yeah, so thank you, Larry, for allowing us to borrow his apartment as a server host provider. So he just kind of lets it yeah. sit connected to his network and uses power for free. In his closet, right? In his yeah. closet. In his rocking yeah. closet, yeah. <laughs> I host my server with my 10 up speeds and it's painful, it's painful. to try to download anything you off of it. You can barely even so run bad. a Minecraft server on 10 oh, up. Man. I run a Minecraft server on my 20 and it's fine, but I only ever have two people connecting to it at yeah. once. So. Yeah. I've had 12 well, people connecting to mine, to, it's pretty good. Imagine trying to run a server for like 10 or 20 people. Well, I've ran, yeah, I've, I've ran, success, we've at one point- Or even a larger server. I ran, server I so I want to talk about, I'm a, I'm what, uh, Reddit calls a home labber where I like to have server equipment in my house. I like okay. running my own servers. Yeah. I like running Linux stuff. It's fun. It's one of my hobbies. So one of the things I used to run is an insurgency server. Have you guys ever heard of that game before? I've played no. insurgency. It's great. No, insurgency. It. It's like a, it's a source. The original insurgency is source based. So it's the same engine as Half-Life 2. Right. And it's really, um, it's like a really hardcore tactical shooter, but it had community server support. So I thought it would be fun to run my own community server. So I did. And you could have up to 32 players on a community server. Well, one day I decided to put up the community server and make it public so anyone uh -oh. could join it. Uh oh. Yeah. Where's this going? <laughs> At Beautiful. one point, 
I had the server full on my network, and at the time I had 100 meg down and 10 up. Wow. And it was stable. That's pretty good. Now, the average ping of the users, the users were complaining that their ping was a little high, but everyone said it was playable. It was in seconds? It was, <laughs> the ping on average was about 90 milliseconds a person when oh, they were in. Oh, it's so terrible. Well, it was, it is were, depending on the game, right? If you're playing I, an FPS game, which yeah, I, really I could bad. see that there is a, there's a thing. But yeah. for other random games, I think it's Well, it also, fun. I was running it at a lower hertz rate. So Insurgency allowed you to set the refresh Ooh. rate of the server. What? And normally you have it set to 60 is the standard because that's what most people's game is running at. You can increase that up to 100. I think you could increase it as high as you wanted. If CSGO, you're 128 tick servers yeah, when? Gamer yeah. tiers, right? Yeah, and you could go all the way up to Gamer as high tiers. as you wanted. I was running it at like 30 because it was not a crappy old CPU on a Linux machine I had laying around. Very and apparently, nice. 32 players, 30 hertz, were running an old crappy bulldozer-based AMD processor. And it ran fine. However, like I said, everyone is complaining about ping, whatever. But it worked. I was like impressed by it, but that doesn't mean Spectrum that it is acceptable <laughs> to have 10 megabit upload when I have to upload terabytes of video for work. That's not acceptable. You okay. Have to upload terabytes of video. I have at one point, yes, because <laughs> of the, the AI. Shit. Because the AI we're developing, I had to upload a bunch of videos to an AWS data center. Wow, that is. And it took forever. I just don't think we're there yet with the infrastructure. I mean, if I had fiber, I don't think it would be that hard to get that symmetric gigabit kind of Dude, internet, I would be happy with symmetric 100 meg. Provider. They told me that copper is just limited to, well, they said 200, and I already know they're lying if you guys are getting 400 on copper. So I yeah, can get so up to 1,000 on copper. So apparently. how copper oh, internet down, works. But not upload. Upload, it it'll go up to like 35 or something. So I wonder how they're. So how it works is. is called DOCSIS. I don't remember what it stands for, but I know the C is K. DOCS? No. I know the C is cable, but basically <laughs> it's a standard that they use for internet over copper line. Okay. And currently we're on DOCSIS 3.1, I believe. 3.1, you are- Does the H I stand for internet? I think so, you yeah. You just look it up, right? Just look it up, yeah. But DOCSIS standard, um, it allows for up to six-ish uh, six? gigabits in a neighborhood down and then like one gigabit up in a neighborhood or something. Oh, dude, I know what you're talking about. You're yeah. talking about data over cable service in interface specifications. Yeah, yeah. That, so here's the thing. Doxus Doxus 4.0 is going to be, I think they said that the specification, which is supposed to be rolling out sometime this year, it's supposed to be more like, um, say I get a gig down, I should get about 250 up. Oh, no, this says that DOCSIS 3.1 is capable of 10 gigabit, gigabits per second down and one gigabit per For second For a neighborhood, up. though. That's shared but across your entire neighborhood. Most widespread standard is 3.0, which is capable of 32 download channels at one time and over one gigabit per second download speeds. Yeah, so Interesting. that's, that's 3.1 is, but they said it, cable companies are behind. They're inherently behind. So odds are when uh, 4.0 <laughs> comes out, they're probably going to start pushing 3.1 all of a sudden. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. here's the thing, Spectrum. If you could just give me gigabit down and 250 up for 100 bucks a month, that would I would be happy for I'd the next decade. It. I'd like, take it. I probably wouldn't complain for a long time. However, <laughs> as of today, 400 meg and 20 up is not acceptable it is too slow if you're I just uh, consuming content it's probably fine yeah. no yeah the average consumer it's fine i am not the average consumer i am a no, pro i am a prosumer i work from home mm. and i have a bunch of hobbies that eat bandwidth for breakfast so mm. nom, nom, nom. i could and i like <laughs> to stream in my free time so like people in australia or like argentina hate you right now i know five or whatever <laughs> <laughs> gigabit <laughs> <laughs> well, no, honestly, I, I'm spoiled. Yeah, yeah we are spoiled. Yeah, we, we're spoiled, but 
we're not at the same time. Uh, yeah, we we use the we use the space that we have, right? Man, so. I miss living on university campus because I had yeah, symmetric oh gigabit. Oh, Damn, God. bro. Yeah, the university. You're paying is, for it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, only five thousand a year. <laughs> no, five thousand a semester. Yeah. Sorry, scratch that. Six or seven thousand. And a you couldn't semester. stay there for the whole year, even if you wanted to. Oh no. No, you could no, not. No. You had to pay extra to stay over the summer, right? Oh, it was damn. It expensive. was a lot, and it wasn't, it wasn't the whole summer it. either. You, 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 would you were be like only allowed down. to stay for like an extra week or two. Yeah, and you it had was to pay not a ridiculous amount of money. None of the day. dining options were open, and that's part of living on campus is having food within walking distance. Yeah, I'm glad you're not have a kitchen in your dorm. Yeah, you can't have a uh, damn toaster or a coffee pot. And an so. actor, yeah, you're right? gonna get stabbed trying to go to the bar to get food. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. I mean, yeah, depending it. on which dorm you would have lived in in Akron, just constant smoke alarms and uh, fire alarms all the time. Yeah, right. yeah. Every and time my parents anyway. wonder why I didn't live on campus. Like that's no, why. No, it was horrible oh, when was I did. So the dorm room that I lived, or the, the residence hall that I lived in, it was like two smoke alarms, three. Th- sorry. Two or three fire alarms a week. Yeah, I we know hear about them in all one the time. night there were three in a night, and a, a, another student told me that they had five in one night at one point. Well, I know the reason why my parents were pushing for me to go move into a dorm is because they just wanted me out of the damn house. That was literally <laughs> I mean, that's it. Totally that's totally that's the only that's, that's acceptable and like I don't I almost expected. I mean they should have just pushed you into a, like a, an apartment or something though if you they wanted. To live I didn't have office. the fucking money for either. <laughs> no, for the apartment still would have been cheaper. For your first year, you had to live on campus with it, without special consideration. No, the special consideration is if you live in the county or a bordering county, which I lived in a bordering county. I didn't have to. Oh, that's sweet of them. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't have to live. I didn't have to live on campus. Although my first I'm, year. I'm sure all those rules are out which the window. Which they now, changed so. it. It's two yeah. years now. Yeah. Oh, did okay. they? Yeah, it's changed two years now. Wait, as in you have to stay on campus for two years? You have to stay on campus for two years unless you live in a bordering uh, county or you get special permission. Well, they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> to say, for example, if you can prove, I think one of the special permissions is if you can prove that you have a car and you sign an agreement saying you're willing to drive an hour to school every day, you're allowed to live off campus. So you say you live in, you have a car. say you live in campus. Uh, no, here's in, a picture. Say you live in, well, get a parking pass, I guess. I know. Say you live in park. Cleveland, <laughs> you can get special permission to drive to school every day. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey man, with my self-driving car, I just smack her on yeah, the highway. Man. We're good. Here's my controller. This <laughs> is for my car. If you lived in Canton, you didn't even need special permission because it's on a bordering county. Yeah. I'm playing a video games, driving my car with the PS4 controller, no problem. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. This but is anyway, back legal. to the NAS. I don't know so how we. NAS. Yeah. So the NAS. Yes. Yeah. So we were complaining about internet speeds, and the question then becomes: Okay, if there's a problem with your internet, then why have the NAS? And I think one of the answers is that it allows us to have our footage all in like one place. Right. Like right now, we, we have, have so much. Footage. <laughs> we have so yeah, much. We've only filmed so like three computers. videos, and we already have like ten or fifteen terabytes of information. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, I mean it's not just the, is seventy-five gigs. Yeah, there's a good example, you know. And we've done quite a few of these podcasts. A number for of example. these now. Yeah, the one I recorded, I, it was twenty-five gigs, and it was at low quality. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so. it was a horrible <laughs> bit rate. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. So then that's the other thing too is that, like I said, ideally for the most part, we're going to be editing on the same network as Larry right. because we're going to be letting, editing over remote like Parsec. So you're living like Larry? Living like Larry, yeah. So yeah, you, can either, that was for you can either do that or DaVinci also supports you having a server that you remote connect to as well. So we can do that as well. If you I want, do want to use your own. I do something like that with Premiere. There has to be a solution, right? Like yeah, DaVinci throw $1,000 nice. in the trash and then a button appears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you shred $1,000 and then you the button the video appears. We can, <laughs> we can for sure do the remote editing with with uh, Premiere though. So we can set that up too, if you desire. All right, yeah. we'll, so we'll anyway, figure it out. There's solutions that we can make our not actually that slow internet feel mm-hmm. faster. Yes. So yeah, but- Just anyway. by using faster internet in a different location. Yeah, because <laughs> Larry has symmetric gigabits. So we're able to take advantage of that, That's which also means bastard. that say, for example, I want to say, we're developing a program 
and I need to host an API. I can host it on the NAS. And realistically, it's not a very CPU or even network intense API, but it's gonna be that much faster being hosted on a, ne- a gigabit connection. So obviously I'm gonna to wanna to do that. Like for yeah, example- you care I about those three milliseconds of extra ping? Hell yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have, have a MongoDB server that like I can connect to that much faster because it's on Larry's gigabit internet. Yeah, if we're splitting hairs, uh, yes. Yeah, yes. We're, we're literally <laughs> splitting hairs, man. Well, yeah, I host my own database servers at my house and it's acceptable outside yeah. of the network, but it's still nice to have the ability to connect to them quicker. It is funny for me when like my prompt for my server takes like a couple seconds to come up. I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> this is what my <laughs> life is. But I, it's so convenient to have. Do you still All host your website at your house? Yes. yes. And I have for over 10 years. Very nice. Why Thank haven't you. you considered like hosting it off in like a VPS or like five bucks a month? Because I don't know how or why I should do that. I can teach you how to do that. So maybe that'll be a fun project, but right now I don't have to change anything. Well, here's, I'm the, only one here's the, the advantage of a VPS is that, yeah, you only get like one CPU core and a gig of RAM, but realistic for your static website, you don't need much I more. Mean, I have a lot of services on whatever this. Whatever they so. are. Is oh, Oracle. Oracle? Yeah, yeah, Oracle gives Oracle you free servers. ones. All right, can I do, can I run SMTP on it? Correct. Can I run Mosquito MQTT on it? Yes. Can I run uh, all my random data websites? Yep, on it? Yes. same. It's all, all right, good, Kyle. Cool. All right, I don't. You care can run all of that stuff, and and Oracle gives them away for free for developers, and it's like developers, unlimited developers, too. Developers. Yeah, and then <laughs> you get like two hundred gigabytes of SSD storage on how it. Many, how many ARM cores were they giving? You out? give four giving... ARM cores and twenty-four gigabytes of RAM. That's if, what it was. If Just your system can RAM. run on ARM, so yeah. if it'll run on a Pi, it'll run on Oracle, okay. or you can get up to two. Two Ryzen cores and four Ryzen threads with, I think, two gigs of RAM, though, so what? you don't get that much RAM. How much does this cost? Zero. For, well, it's what do you mean? For Oracle or for us? For all of this. For Oracle, they're giving away for free. That way you learn their platform. and then That like, way you learn you their platform, do. and when you do want to spend money like, and yeah. do it, yeah, you, you know their platform. What if I don't platform? respect Oracle as a company? Well, then I recommend Linode <laughs> or Vulture because they're cheap and okay. they're small. All right, he's but, still going to sell me on this. It's just not going <laughs> to be Oracle. <laughs> he's just going to give you three... Or like three well, different companies. So you could Linode use. Yeah. will give you a hundred dollars in credit over the course of three months. Oracle is like the Adobe of, of whatever it is Oracle does. I'm pretty yeah. sure you could say that for stuff. just about any company though. So Linode yeah, sure. like Linode and Vulture are both like startups that basically are just trying to clone AWS but be cheaper and not AWS. <laughs> you know, being not AWS is a selling point for a lot of people. Including <laughs> you, right? Yeah. I'd be like, cool. <laughs> all right, well, fair and enough. And they're cheap. It's like five bucks a month for a server. Jeff Bingus doesn't need to know where all my files are. Yeah, and then, and then Linode's other services, like they're trying to basically replicate Amazon Stack, but do it a little cheaper and do it a little better. Well, oh, how much of Amazon Stack though? Because I mean, I've seen the amount of things. Right now, Amazon they're does. doing well. They're doing all the core essential stuff. So their they dashboard have, is like they, two pages. If I you hate scroll. their dashboard. It's, it's so confusing. It's I use so AWS much. for work, and it's confusing yeah. as hell. So they're doing S3. So they're doing object okay. storage. They're doing the servers, the virtual servers you can rent. What was the? They're gonna try to do Lambda eventually. Oh yeah, dude, there's Elastic so many Beanstalk. services. I love Lambda. I, yeah. That's the one Amazon service that I will stand by. I think Lambda's great, but EC, I want yeah, Elastic EC2. It. Yeah, EC2. EC2 is what Linode, Linode calls yeah. them Linodes because they're All Linux this nodes. this is over my head. I used it at work for like a little bit and that's when I realized just how much that Amazon has Dude, snatched use, up and capitalized we on. We use so much Amazon at my current job. And I'm, had, I'm hoping that with the new company that me and Steven are trying to form, we try to avoid using Amazon <laughs> as well, much as possible. It's great for the people who want all of it in one well, dashboard. Well, that's why Russell pushed me to use AWS Amazon, for the one What's company? the con of using Amazon? Uh, centralization. Yeah, I guess it's just like outside of centralization. What is the con using Amazon? It's complicated as right? hell. It's really. It is so complicated. Yeah, it, I will dude. say it was very difficult. Very to get sharp, through. steep learning curve. Mm. I mean, I just had to work with the EC2 and I was like, uh, 
what's my IP address? <laughs> like there was just so much there and there were pages and pages of all these tools that I guess like we get, but yeah, I didn't understand. Yeah, they give you like credits. They give you CPU credits and you like get a stock of them every month and they like recharge. But if you overspend, then you gotta, it's, it's very That's complicated. Weird. I had to have a dashboard of metrics of just like how much money we owed Amazon at any given month. Needed an entire what? college class to figure that out. I, honestly, they you do. probably would. Yeah. They sell, uh, Stark State offers one. Oh they offer gosh. a college class where all you do is go over how to use different AWS and services and infrastructure. Thanks, That's I hate it. how much there is. The one thing that's kind of funny though is that you're saying like Amazon is centralization, which is totally true. Uh, so let's go to a different company. The hilarious thing is that other companies that you go to probably use AWS servers. Linode, a lot of these companies like <laughs> Linode and Vulture don't. They do host their own data centers. And I found mm. out, I was the first mm. podcast I talked about Cloudflare. I'm gonna talk about this now. Cloudflare. I was wrong. <gasps> I'm gonna say Ooh. I was wrong. Errata, guys. <laughs> ah, Administer <right>. a correction. <laughs> Cloudflare, well, they used to buy out sections of Amazon, Google, and Azure data center. They don't anymore. Good. They only host their own data centers around the United States and around the world. Round of applause for Cloudflare. And the reason <laughs> why they're, they're able to make this new Cloudflare R2 object storage so cheap is not because they're doing it a different way. Apparently they are one-to-one -one replicating Amazon S3. Amazon just has stupid fucking profit margins on S3 <laughs> to the point where the CEO of Cloudflare went, why the fuck do they do that? Because <laughs> they don't have competitors. They, they don't have competitors. So Cloudflare said, you know what? We're going to make this so cheap that we're almost losing money. So we get people from Amazon to come to our service. Something to be said for that. Yeah. yeah. And but it's a promo price and it changes after a year. It right? probably will change eventually, <laughs> oh, but here's the thing. You. There's no egress cost. They don't charge you for uploads and downloads. They only charge you for what is stored on their servers. Huh. Interesting. Um, That's right. very nice. Yeah. So honestly, yeah, I was- Imagine if eventually like our ISPs, right now we just pay per month for this amount. <sighs> imagine if they charge you on a per input output. Uh, and I hate it. Dude, when I look at- That like, would be so, so this, horrible. This is something that opened my eyes too when I had Rain Meter. I mean, at what point does it meter. become $50 a gigabyte? Well, That's right. Like, I, I had a Rainmeter uh, tool on my desktop. Rainmeter uh -huh. desktop customization, great. Everyone loves it. That Wallpaper showed not only your current you upload it. and download on your computer, your speeds, but your like average, your, your total from like the week or the month. And when I saw when I was at Akron, I think I had like almost 500 gigabytes just after, I don't know, a couple months of just bandwidth. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, if they charge me for this, I'd be broke. Like, <laughs> so, even if it was a dollar gigabyte, I'd be like, I couldn't afford that. I used to live with, my dad used to live in, when I say, I say I live in the country, but I still have spectrum. I'm still able to get cable in <laughs> it. My dad lives so far in the country that spectrum and AT&T didn't offer service where we were living. Mm -hmm. Didn't and they offer a service, but they required to like spend a billion dollars. So this first charge. house, they want they they or offered is, service, but they had to tear up the road to run a line to our house. Yeah, right. Thirty dollars a month for the service. Um, we do have to install everything up to the rest of your house. Yeah, you know, that's they were going to charge my dad ten thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is well, this is what they charge. This isn't the current house he lives at, Ian. This is the house he used to live at. Mm -hmm. oh. The current house he lives at, they wouldn't even quote him. They said, yeah, this is going to cost well over twenty thousand dollars. We're not going <laughs> to yeah. pay for this. Oh. So they have the terrible road, that's, shut down which the road. I'm gonna, after I'm done talking about this, I wanna talk about my, my dad's solution, which is gonna be a casual coders project. All right. So, um, but what happened- Musk satellite link. So, but we had this, <laughs> well, we had satellite internet. We had HughesNet, which was the, Hughes the, the premier satellite internet at the time. Hughes. We had a monthly limit of 50 gigabytes. Yeah, that's not- So that's, how it worked uh, was you got a, you did get, so technically you got a hundred gigabytes, but 
you got 50 gigabytes for the first, for the peak 12 hours of the day, and you got 50 gigabytes for the second 12, peak 12 hours of the day. I don't like it. So yeah, you got 50 gigabytes per 12 hour period, and they reset at the end of every month. Yeah, that's mm, that's, that's nice. not tolerable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I wanted to go download a video game, my parents wait, wait, wait till after dinner. <laughs> no, not after dinner. <laughs> right. It was three a.m. to I think oh. seven a.m. was oh, one of the fifty gigabyte hours. slots. Oh, really? Okay. So I had to get up at three a.m. to update my Windows PC. I had to get up at three a.m. to download Skyrim. Sad. And here's the thing. <laughs> It wasn't, and because it was satellite internet and it used a geostationary satellite, meaning that it took one second for my internet connection to reach the satellite and then another second for it to come back down to earth, meaning my minimum ping was 2,000 milliseconds. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. No issues with that at all. Move you your mouse totally to the right in Minecraft. <laughs> you guys move one, two. Yeah, bro, you want to play Counter-Strike? You got fast. this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I couldn't play any multiplayer games at all. Yeah. I could talk on Skype. Skype worked just with a little That's bit of a delay. With a lot of delay. With a lot of delay. <laughs> yeah, with a lot of delay. <laughs> and like all these other services, this was before Discord was popular. So I, I mean, could, you'd have the same thing on Discord yeah. anyway. Yeah. 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 So but either no way, difference. like I couldn't do, I, I basically, I spent all my time at my dad's programming, which I guess was pretty good for me now. Yeah. But <laughs> still. Well, how was, much money do you really make off programming though? I mean, it certainly yet. helped you with your degree. Not yet. You're the startup will guy make, who makes zero dollars off of your nine startups. It'll help me pass classes. But anyway, so going back to the other conversation I was going to talk about where my dad's having issues getting his internet. Uh, so last time I went to my dad's, he basically was telling me that, okay, hey, Spectrum came to our house and we asked them about it and they came to the house up front. The house up front already has Spectrum because he has two houses on his property. House up front already has Spectrum. Huh. And then they went to the second address on his property. They went all the way back to the back of the property where my dad's house was. The guy got to the back of the house, like the guy drove back and he just got out of it. He didn't even get out of his truck. He just rolled his window down and said, yeah, this is going to cost well over $20,000, and I don't even think my boss will approve it. So hmm. you guys are going to have to go sign up for Starlink or something. Well, That's at least crazy. he's honest. Yeah, at least he's honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the guy, just turned, the guy just turned right around and left. Easy I sort of wonder, how difficult would it be to just yourself do the cable drop? Um, it wouldn't be difficult, but I have a better solution. It'd be com- I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. And this but is my better it, solution. What, under the road? Well, to just make the cable drop. All you got to get it all the way to the, the box. So yeah, they, these two have both been to my dad's house. So they know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. What did you have like 500 feet? You had to run a cable. <laughs> You're funny. It was almost half, half a mile. mile. All right. So like 2,500 <laughs> feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only 500 feet. A lot of digging. <laughs> yeah. So my solution was Linus Tech Tips did a video where he used the ubiquity air fiber kit to beam internet over a lake. He, he beamed it. Uh, three miles. Thir- oh, it three was miles, three yeah. miles. He beamed internet connection. It was gigabit connection, and he said the latency was about forty milliseconds, which is really respectable. Which is respectable yeah. for doing that. So, my dad and his wife want to buy one of these air fiber kits, and mm-hmm. we want he they want us to do a YouTube video where we go and install it for them. Why don't, Why aren't they closer to the road? Just the house. They Why are they closer? To the <laughs> Dude, the house is the most privacy I've ever seen in a house. Like, you, okay, it was really cool. I you actually care about your privacy question. Well, remember when we were talking about privacy versus uh, convenience? <laughs> I think this is one of those. <laughs> my, dad, be private my dad and his wife that, really yeah. value their privacy, so they wanted okay. a house okay. that was a half a mile off the road. Fair enough. Um, so, but anyway, what the problem is is that this air fiber uses a signal that's very sensitive to obstructions. Yeah. So, they have a grain silo up by the house at the front of the road. 
So what they want us to do is <laughs> put it on it on the top nice. of the grain silo and then beam the internet over the field all the way to my parents' house. I'm gonna have to borrow my brother's climbing kit for that. Aren't <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to like rig up ropes and a whole yeah. bunch of other stuff to climb to the top of the Apparently, grain silo. Dad didn't say two, that there Ian is fell this time. Yeah. <laughs> How's his uh, insurance on that property? His insurance on that property. His, it, it's a, it's technically a business, so he actually has probably really good insurance on that property. Good, good. Well, if anyone dies, they'll get a good. Payout. Ian fell off a grain silo. <laughs> Podcast number. Yes. I don't know what. Yeah. Oh God. All right. No, but. But apparently there is rigging inside of the grain cellar to get to the top of the roof. Good, oh, nice. Um, but anyway, so I know there are people, by the way, going back to like paying for the amount that you get instead of your speed. Yeah. Uh, if you get one of those like data plans, but for your house, it's a thing that you can get through. Like, I really hate it. Ryzen or whatever I else. But for, for some people, they, they literally can't. They can, yeah, you they can't see get the cell tower, else. but they can't yeah, get anything right. else. So yeah. that's oh. the only option. Verizon, $50 a gigabyte. You used 500 gigabytes that month? Enjoy your $25,000 bill. Yep. So what my dad yeah. said he's going to do is he's going to buy Spectrum gig for his, his tenant's house. And he's going to say, you guys are going to share an internet connection with us. Huh. And that's it. And he's just going to pay for gigabit for that house. And whoever lives in that house just kind of shares an internet connection with him. A whole bunch so. of us just bust through the door to that house carrying like big A bunch of networking cameras. equipment. Like, <laughs> networking we're here. Cameras. All right, so we're filming our new casual coders video. You're going to have to move off the couch What's for up, a second. Gamer? We're What's up, gamers? Get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have to give them 24 hours notice before we do that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, something we might be doing soon. I'm actually ta- going to talk to my dad about it when <laughs> I go to like his house tomorrow. Project. You want to join? You want to help? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun. You're going to hire me on, on, what do I get, $10? $0 <laughs> an hour? Hell yeah, dude. Gold star, pat on the back. <laughs> My dad says he'll pay for, for food for us for installing yeah, okay. <laughs> Does he need any, like, fire alarms or anything? <laughs> uh, no, but anyway, oh, so man. we're going to end up, uh, we'll do that. We're going to do that as a project video. I think it'll be a really cool project video to do. And Don't make commitments, Chandler. We well, hope to do it. We it's hope to do it. Yeah, we hope forward to, to potentially we'll making a. <laughs> I think it would be. I think it would be a cool project video just to do and like try out. I think it's a cool piece of equipment. I mean, yeah, sure. Out. Linus has already done it, but you know, it's if our someone own spin else on it. Our own yeah, retarded yeah, spin on it. Hopefully, we don't drop it. You know. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and all that footage will go on my net. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, but my dad's wife is a programmer, so like she kind of needs internet. Currently, they actually do have a DSL connection that the previous DSL. owner paid to wow, the house. It's 25 megabit down and 4 megabit up. I mean, that's better than I was expecting. It's, it's, it's usable, it's but usable. she it's says that right. Git commits take way too long. <laughs> How big are her Git commits? Big. Yeah. It's a corporation. She works for Enterprise. Yeah. Oh, all right. So these are enough. like code bases that are absolutely massive. Have to use GitHub like large file. Yeah, large yeah. file system. Hold on, let me seven zip this file using ultra compression first, right. and then. Get but then the Git repo won't work. Like you can't see. All she's not working it. for. At least she's not using SVN, oh which God. requires a persistent network connection. Thanks, I hate it. Yeah, SVN yeah. sucks. I remember using SVN in school. I don't know why they made us use that. Nobody uses it anymore. It's all Git. Because, because they have to learn how to science Git. department yeah, is they, 15 they years behind. Yeah. But here's the thing. Then then our my one professor like forced us to use it. He's like, no, nobody uses SVN. I don't know why they're making you learn this. And then they refused to let us use it. Yeah, because he's the, yeah, he's well, the person who actually has some sense in him. Out yeah. of all he does have sense in him. He's a bit of a jerk, but he mm-hmm. does have sense in him. He does in terms of... Uh, Hey, that's Technology okay. Stacks. The entire Akron computer science department doesn't have any sense to On it. On the anyway. bright side, you're not, not allowed to use that. an IDE. You want to take a test? 
not allowed to test run your code. Dude, they let you know, me. Why would you ever do that on your job? It's totally <laughs> not like I write one line of code, run it, make sure it works. Write two more lines, run it, make sure it works. That's what write the unit tests are for, right? Sure it works. Yeah. There, there are some exams that I had to write the code so by hand with pencil and paper. Oh my, God. <laughs> yeah. my computer systems exam where I had to write assembly from memory by hand. Yeah. Uh, good old Willis painful. would always do that oh. on his questions on his tests. He'd be like, oh, oh this I love question Willis, is though. write the entire routine in pencil. And I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> when I don't you have syntax you need, highlighting. <laughs> when you realize you need know, like another line, you can't just like go and hit enter on your piece of paper. You have to like erase all <laughs> yeah. of it. And, like, oh man, it was awful. Oh. On the bright side, like I, I don't know, I really liked Willis. I think he was a great. Teacher. Oh, I thought he was great, and he loved me because I was the only one who stayed awake in his class. Um, his voice did put me to sleep. <laughs> yeah, he would definitely. He was really good at. He knows like, that he knows how his trailing voice is, off. That's why when he, he would talk, and then he would just kind of start looking. But here's the thing: all of the lectures I did, I did him online, and he would speed up all of his videos and increase the volume so that way that you wouldn't happen. Him. Yeah, oh, <laughs> or at least recognize He, he was self-aware. He was like, aware of his weaknesses funny. and he was able to appropriately compensate. Using yeah, digital remember? technology. Yeah, that's good. And then when I had an actual call with him, I realized why he sped up his videos. Yeah. But he's a great professor and he's a really nice guy. My old landlord was always like that. that I, I love the guy. He was a great guy to hang out with. He was always helpful whenever we needed anything. But my God, I could not understand him over the phone because we'd, we had a joke that anytime he wanted to call us, we'd be like, I was like, what? what are, you, are you even saying anything? Like half the time I had no idea what he was saying. So I would just say, okay, and hope it wasn't a question. And then he would finally hang up. But wow, it, it made it hard to have conversations. So it's I good. had a professor that was kind of similar to that. Yeah. And one day he decided, he's like, you know what? I'll do something about this. But instead of like trying to speak louder, he like literally went out and bought a microphone that you could like put right yeah. next to his mouth and then put speakers in the classroom. <laughs> that way. Oh, I've seen that in like, I feel like I recall seeing trilly. that way back in like high school or middle school. Oh, Yuta did that. Did anyone ever have Yuta? That's what? Talking about, yes. You're talking about Yuta? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh man. She was my favorite physics professor ever. I'm sad she doesn't teach anymore, but she would, she was a, uh, it was hard to hear in a big lecture hall, so she would always get this microphone and hook it up to the system. Oh, but the man. problem was that she would stand right in front of the speakers, so it would always <laughs> squeal so loudly because of the like acoustic yeah, feedback. Yeah, the interference. Yeah, it was terrible. Oh so yeah, maybe she could have just spoken up a little bit. Yeah, right, hey yep. Chandler, remember when we had to uh, take uh, C++ exams where we were only allowed to use Windows Notepad? Notepad++ was considered cheating. Oh, dude, they let me use Notepad++. I don't think they are. Yeah. Yeah. That was considered Syntax cheating. Syntax highlighting. Cheating. You know, yeah. Well, to be fair, that professor got code. fired. So. Oh, did, oh, yeah, you're right. They got let go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> totally showed up in the microphone. Oh gosh. Yeah, we'll just censor that one out. Thank you, just Ian, for that Windows me, noise. Me censor that one out. I'm I won't. Yeah, I won't. So I don't want to say her name. But we don't want to say her name. But I am going to say this. She got. So. Yeah, on a roll, baby. Woo! Poor, poor Ian. It's everyone else's wrong. <laughs> nope, it's fine. You're forcing anyway, me to do so it. Anyway, so you guys hey. put there's two. There's it's like three topics now. on the list that I want to talk about. Let's so hear. Have, First one yes. is, and this is going to be more for you guys because you guys are more into the microcontroller space. But I do a little Ooh. bit of microcontroller electronics. Oh, can we put my fun meme up? What is your screen? favorite? You're the editor. Dev board, <laughs> but I'm gonna miss this. Dev okay. board and or microcontroller. Anything else, or is it just in general? Just in general. Like, what do you use the most for, okay. like, personal did projects? See, Not for work, personal projects. Well, since I'm paying attention, I'll do my, uh, my own uh, take on this. I personally love the accessibility of the so Arduino. They are dirt cheap. Did I see this already? Yeah, I love that. Yes, I saw um, that, yeah. So 
the Arduino Nano is the one with like 16 pins. Eh, whatever. Yeah, is it the one that's the like shaped like a stick of gum? It's like this yeah. big. And if you get scammed, you can get it for less than $10. I mean, you can buy them for dirt cheap. I think it <laughs> yeah. costs less I got than a dollar to manufacture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I know they sell them. The it Chinese costs more to ship are, it to you than yes, to absolutely. Exactly right. Yeah. So that's why you always got to buy them in packs of 10 or right. something. Right. Exactly. And we, uh, I, I don't remember how many we used for our like development before they were like, oh, you can't use this. We did use some for development for our senior design project, but we did use a, a different processor architecture because we had to. Um, but I think we were you guys forced to use picks. We actually were forced to use anything other than Arduino. Uh, yeah, like why one can't of those. you just use, like, Wait, why can't you just use the Arduino processor and then just not use the Arduino library? And uh, just write it in because MPM? they didn't want people to use that. And I asked Greg. I even told him I was like, listen. Why are you making this restriction? Like I can write in C on this. I could write in C in a different architecture. It doesn't make a difference. He's like, yeah, well, you're not allowed to use them. You're just he's not allowed not to use them. He's not an engineer anyway. So well, so that's yeah. the thing. He was, he <laughs> was, he was very just rigid in his rules, and that was one of them. No Arduino. He's not an engineer because, anyway. So. Because he wanted to emphasize, I'll, <laughs> maybe, I will. Maybe I should. Just I'll give him credit where credit that's is due. True. He wanted to emphasize it's not a hobby project. It was more like a real, like a I work know project. real world like code though that's running Arduino, and it like and yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. people at work, people at work worked on projects that their demos would use a damn Arduino. Because one, it's accessible. Anyone can make it's them. Quick to develop you don't with. need a brand name. Any old Chinese manufacturer will put this chip on a board and say it's an Arduino, and it yep. probably works. Um, and and you I get even the did chip that. at Mauser and just put it on your own board. Exactly. So it's making a custom PCB, and we're gonna use Arduino on the custom PCB. So it I works. get it. I get the hate yeah. for Arduinos because they're not professional enough. Because they're very accessible for hobbyists. Would so you consider I an STM processor like an STM32? I would if it runs Arduino, right? Not a you can run thing. it in. You can run right. it with Arduino. I'm We're going to be running certain. Arduino on an ESP eighty. ESP yeah, it's the same thing chip. with the ESP. If, we can, if yeah. I can figure it out, it's going to be a little series. bit of time, and I may need to make a few extra dev boards and stuff along the way. But it's something that I personally want to learn, so I'll yeah. invest the extra. And I'm going to be writing a lot of the code and helping him write. Are you the cool code. if the first revision runs the Soic uh, eight pin? STM 32G0 sure. chip. If it'll run it's Arduino, dude. It's a small dude, eight pin thing. It's if it'll compile bits. for Arduino, use whatever you want. I'm almost certain. It's not <laughs> going to have Wi-Fi, but no. I don't think a breathalyzer, spoiler, needs to have I Wi-Fi yet. Wi Kyle, shut the fuck up. Kyle we'll wants an IoT breathalyzer. So to answer your question, Chandler, okay. I think the greatest hobbyist electronic uh, uh, microcontroller is going to be the Arduino because of how accessible it is. The There's Arduino a billion... platform, or is there a specific board you want to point out? Any of them, because I Any even think them? the uh, Arduino Mega was great if you needed like twenty something GPIO or thirty or, or forty or however many. There are. Mega's really popular in the printer, three D printer space. Yep. And again, it's ten bucks or less if you can find them for if cheaper. You, yeah, they're like Very fifty convenient. from Arduino. They're if way you cheaper just need, Chinese you know, a, a handful of outputs, get the Nano one. Whatever, it doesn't matter. So yeah. Arduino in general, very good for hobbyists. I personally have an affinity for the Node MCU, which uses that ESP8266 Wi-Fi chip. Very useful if you don't want to have to worry about, um, or I guess a better way of wording it is very useful if you just want to play with Wi-Fi. Super easy yeah. to connect your home network. For God's sake, don't try to connect to any corporate network on that thing because it's such a pain in the ass to use WPA2 oh, Enterprise. Sure. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks. I got it to work, but. <laughs> Sucks. So use it on your home network with a PS key, uh, a PSK. It's easy enough. So Node MCU is probably going to be my current pick. Um, we got a lot of cheap ones from overseas that we were, you know, it was easy enough to play with. But 
for my senior design project, they did let us use something that wasn't microchip. I love microchip. I'm a bit of a microchip simp because of one, how everything is in the manual. You get a 1500 page manual with oh every single God. register with the interrupts and all the, you yeah, got yeah. timer microchip modules. Microchip has the best ones it's, by far. It's great. And you know what? I use Freescale slash NXP slash whatever you want to call them these days Ew. at work. And the manuals are similar in quality. Um, to the microchip one. So very in-depth and everything, but I think the microchip ones are just though. a little bit better. That's the problem. Well, Freescale doesn't make them anymore. NXP makes them and sells them, but they're still, whatever, who cares? They have the same model numbers, it's but complicated. they're company. I would pick microchip because they're still a company, whereas Freescale <laughs> is shifting hands and support and all that other stuff. Now, I would pick that, but in my experience working with the TI one, the, the TMC123G uh, launch pad, uh, Texas Instruments chip. Four, five, six. I know. Seven, what, a, nine, what a silly two, name. It's the starter yeah, one. And it's called two, the TM, TM4C123G. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, it, was, it was really easy to work with. I mean, it was a bit of a learning curve to use the IDE. So um, I'm assuming it didn't use Arduino at all. No, it's all C. It was like embedded C. So they so had all like their... whenever I'd use MPLAB to program a pick. It's like yeah, that, and it's, again, stack. it's like microchip. I don't think their documentation was as good as microchips. It was a little bit difficult for me to learn things like getting into the interrupt routines because we had to put interrupts in this dang thing because every time you get a message on the line, you you know, if you want to blink an LED and do stuff at the same time, you need to know how to do interrupts. Yeah. You know, like that's a problem. That's you can't something just I need to learn more. Well, that's kind of why I like Arduino. You don't have to think about that. that. You and can yeah, just do coroutines. So if, if you were to ask me what micro uh, controller do you want to recommend for anybody, I would say Arduino. Anything can, that runs Arduino. You can blink an LED in 15 minutes. And if that's what it takes minutes, for you to- like three seconds. Well, all right. Unless you you're can. In, unless you you're, can. Unless you're including the <laughs> time to install the I'm including IDE. you. Which we go examples, you, zero, you, one, blink, you, upload. You take it your Arduino and your breadboard seconds. and your USB cable and you already have the ID installed and you have all your materials. If it takes you, you don't longer even than 15 need an minutes. LED, the Arduino Honey, not everybody knows all the programming LED. you know. I, I'm saying. <laughs> no, somebody <laughs> example. Started you a nerd fight. There's somebody who has no idea what a baud rate is. You open the blink example and upload it. What a com port is, what a com port is. All right, not everybody can just do this in three clicks. Once you've done it before, yeah, it's really easy to do it. But if you're one of those people too, like my grandpa would always complain, you go too fast for me. I get it. Not everybody knows what they're looking for. So the Arduino, Arduino, you plug it in the breadboard, you plug it in and you have an LED, right. Then, okay, (laughs) you can learn that and you can realize, oh my God, I can write code that like makes a LED blink. I can do anything. That is a very powerful moment that you can achieve in seconds if you're a pro, the pro gamer move, <laughs> or I'm minutes. Not a pro, I'm far from or it. minutes if you're not used to it. And that's that's <laughs> one of the first things I did on the Raspberry Pi. They were like, here's a Raspberry Pi, it's free. Just play with it and do cool stuff. And we're like, okay. And then I made an LED blink and I'm like, I could do things with I this. I could do things <laughs> right. with this, yeah. I, so that's one of the things that like it got me into it and it's an, an accessible microcontroller. I have so many Arduinos, I don't even yeah, know what I to do with. So. I have it's, a lot too. It's I have like a, your senior design project though. So they're probably afraid of you just going on some like how-to website and then you find like the step-by-step thing on yeah. how-to and you're getting your degree from just following the one how-to right. document online. Yeah, I would argue though that they should be smart enough to vet that. <laughs> but they're not. You yeah, know they're not, right? They're not, so. <laughs> That's right. the problem. It takes yeah. time to vet things. I know they didn't read any of the source code. I have to do a senior yeah. design project as well, but my senior design project is all software. I don't do any hardware for mine. That's kind of how I was. I was the software guy, and it was nice that well, I did no, not no, do no, anything no. else. My entire project has no hardware involved because it's a computer science. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's it's all programming. But anyway, so my One podcast in the future, we should go. I'll go over what our senior design projects were. I think that'd be yeah. fun. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so, but one of my, my favorite microcontrollers. I'll have to finish mine. 
<laughs> my favorite microcontroller that I've ever worked with has to be the ESP32. Mm. Now, the ESP32 is a newer, updated version of the ESP8266. I don't know which one I had, but the specific version of the one I had had both Wi-Fi and Bluetooth on it. You're going to have an ESP32 in that case. Well, it is, but they have subsets and different uh, versions. It's the C3 or... Yeah, C3 or C6. It had one core. It had, like, one megabyte of flash, and it yeah. had, like... Yeah. Sounds like the C3 board. Yeah, but anyway, it was, it was a dev board. I bought it from Micro Center whatever, yeah. for $9. Oh, okay. So, and either way, but here's the thing. Arduino is what came pre-installed, and you could run Arduino on it, which yes. is what I prefer normally to run my programs in when I do microcontroller projects, which Can I don't do often micro anymore. Can they run MicroPython or something? Or yes. No? That was the, the second thing I did with it, is try to get MicroPython yep. running on it, because I'm a Python nerd. I, I love if, Python. Hmm. And here's the thing. It ran great. It Woo. connected right up to my network. I was able to program it to download information off the internet. And Can you use like that the request library? Yes. No way. Yeah. What? So I used that information. I used the, it's not called requests. It's called micro requests. Because it micro runs in a micro Python. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> but micro requests, I got it working and I was able to make requests to my web server to get data. Well, basically what I was doing is I had a little tiny, um, screen and all it did was is that it pinged the weather channel and then oh got, the, 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 got the weather information. That's a really cool project. And I displayed like it on a little as, tiny I mean, screen. Yeah. For as simple as it is, that's it, a cool project. Like yeah, it. <laughs> It's even more fun, I guess, if you like take a mirror or something and you can put like LEDs behind the mirror and uh, make a like smart weather, mirror. Like smart mirror weather. Yeah. 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 Did that, Another yeah. one that I did I recall was, seeing the project somewhere online. I, I used an ESP8266. Exactly this one was an ESP32 using MicroPython to have a button on my phone that would open my garage Nice, yeah. Mm, that's, cool. that's awesome. I feel like there's maybe some security stuff. All there, right, yeah, right. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you had to be on my land to do it. Yeah, you had to be in my land to do it, which I found yeah. a way around. It wasn't Bluetooth; it was Wi-Fi. But you had to be on my land. So Bluetooth LE land, garage door opener. Uh oh. So as long as you were on my local area network, you could right. do it. But Bluetooth yeah. is a cluster. Well, the other one I wanted to do, my, the big one I wanted to do is I wanted to hook up my coffee maker. So all I had to do was wake up, hit a button, and it would make my coffee in the morning. I Somebody actually, hacks your coffee I actually maker. have a project <laughs> that I really want to work on, but it's going to take some design work. I want to take an ESP8266 or some ESP32 module and build a PCB around it and make just a device that you can insert into the back of a uh, like wall switch or whatever. And it'll add, it'll act as a- It'll add a smart switch. switch. And it adds a smart switch, right. So you can yep. connect that to your home network and have a smart light or whatever. Turn it on from your phone, from your computer or whatever. Well, they have little modules that do that for like the yeah, Alexas and stuff, yeah. Yeah, sure, but it hooks up to an Amazon Alexa. And I or, want a smart well, no, then the other thing doesn't is- doesn't connect to big well, tech. Even then, and, and on top of that too, it's very visible that you have one. It would be really cool to somehow build one into your wall. Yeah, That's right. It's just said, built into it? the switch box itself. It sits in the back. It's got a little relay in this there. This sounds you like something Alex is interested in. Well, see, I've already- Done half right the off the 120 volt <laughs> AC, and then so you just here's done. how you do this, huh? You got an MQTT server, uh -huh. right? Broker, sorry, it's a broker, so to speak. Yeah, we broker. can run it's this on Kyle's broker. NAS. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Kyle's NAS runs by you. Got our, our, big, our big tech service. is Kyle's NAS <laughs> running on the NAS. <laughs> big you Kyle, got, you've got a, a subscriber <laughs> listening running on the NAS on your whatever you want to say. Uh, what do you call that on the, the fly programming? What? When you, when you run operating? a program on no, the fly and you're like Lambda. magic space. Lambda. Lambda. I yes. don't know. We've got a Lambda service running this MQTT <laughs> subscriber. Technically, it's functions as a service. Whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> it's always uh, subscribed to any new messages that come in. And then on your device, you got your ESP uh, chattering over MQTT. And 
anytime you want to send a command, it's publishing and subscribing. So commands are bi-directional and then you have the device on there and you can have your little relay board and you can flip your light switch and you can have anybody on the internet turn your lights on and off. Great project. It's an awesome idea. The problem is that we have to figure out a way to, to be tap a joke. five volts off of 120 volt. Use mains. a standard stupid iPhone block. No. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you just get you a five use volt. use a transformer or you could go transformer. Oh, wait. Ones. What about your freaking, your ghetto ass transformer circuit you were showing me? Yeah, the well, one why, day? why don't you just run your Arduino on I AC? Was, <laughs> I was showing him a transformer. It was circuit. the most ghetto circuit I've it's ever really seen. It's really awesome. It was getting Can to the I limits of it? my electrical engineering like knowledge, but I understood what was going on and I hated it. Let's Can I explain it? Yes, you can explain it because it's terrible. It's terrible. It's one capacitor. Oh no. One resistor, RC circuit. four diodes. Oh, so it's a bridge rectifier with oh. an RC filter. So Basically, it's a, is it you, ha- no, it's exactly. not halfway rectifier. You, it's use a, rectifier. you use a massive Four bridge rectifier. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You use, <laughs> you use a massive X-rated capacitor with a resistor in series to drop the 120 yeah, volt mains. Yeah, it's, that's one of the worst power supplies you can make. AC. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, it works. But, it's but it works, but it works and, and it fits on a single PCB. <laughs> that was the thing though. He could fit this on a single PCB yes. that yeah, we could tiny. then use. Yeah, yeah. It is beautiful. Stuff it in. Yeah. You can get away with it. You can get away with it. If you take up one single bridge rectifier, it's three components. The QS and current will be a lot. Yes, it would be a lot. We just yeah, have to put more capacitors on yes. it, right? Yeah. No, I think it's- It just also heats current, your light switch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Probably need to get more into AC power filtering and stuff to properly- We have mm. Kyle for that. Yeah. But All right, perfect. So yeah, maybe we should make this a project. Did you take any of those? Let's Did you do take it. power? I'm, what is it? What was it called? I'm, there's a class on that at Akron. I'm adding this no, to the list. No, there was a class at Akron that was like about- Maybe that's what it was, yeah. That like. Did you take that? Did you take active circuits? No. Active circuits. We all avoided the really hard electrical engineering Okay, courses. well, we know, a couple I'm hard sure, but here's the thing. One. I'm sure that to. we know people that we could find that would help us with yeah. that. I'm pretty sure we can figure classes. it out on our own. We're smart. Uh, or we need an extra. We'll make something work. <laughs> we'll yeah. make something work. We, have, we have Google. Yes, we, we have, have yeah. big we tech Google. With Google. Yeah, yes. We are armed with Google and the ability to search things up. We got about 15 minutes left. There's two more topics I wanted to touch upon. Let's hear I never even well, got one of to them, say my favorite mic oh, right what was your, oh, yeah, okay, let's finish this one first. I got Alex's. I don't really know. Alex kind of covered all of them. Yeah, I wanted to cover the four I've Honestly, I'm a bit of an ST Micro fanboy, so I'd probably say the STM... The STMs are fun. F-series. They look cool. Because they're awesome. They got so many cool things they can do. They come in a billion sizes. They can mm-hmm. support direct USB. You just, you know, give it a crystal, give it USB, boom, you're up and running. To be fair, that's the same with like, in my, well, well I guess it's my- It's similar with a lot of processors. My second favorite but. family of microcontrollers, which is the 8-bit AVR controllers. Yep. Okay. Um, yep. I love the AVR controllers because all I got to do is I don't even need an oscillator. I just stick them in a pe- in the breadboard yeah. and they work. Like yeah. <laughs> it is nice to have the yeah. internal oscillator. Yeah. I noticed on the Freescale ones. <laughs> yeah, very convenient. That is to have very your bus convenient. I must say. I think they go up to like 120 megahertz. I can run it at eight megahertz and it's good enough. It works. Yeah. Cool. It's fast enough. 120 for megahertz is it's, a lot for an embedded system. It's fast <laughs> enough to fucking blink an LED and move yeah. a servo. It's all it needs yeah. to do. There was one other thing I wanted to say in that. I, I always feel so conflicted between Arduino and a Raspberry Pi, right? Because you can get an Arduino Uno I'm gonna argue for that six Ar- or seven bucks, or you can get a Pi Zero W for 10 bucks. Yeah. And the Pi is so much more powerful. But it's so much but more complicated. It's too. also way more complicated. You, you are smart right. power. I would rather. Yeah, if you're running for, it on a battery. The Pi's got, you know, 
it's built-in Wi-Fi, all that. You can output to a full display. You can connect a USB like keyboard and mouse to it. You can for 90% so of stuff. my projects. For 90% of small projects, it's not going to make a difference Here's one the way thing, or the other. I, most of my projects are software projects. I yeah. would actually, I, 90% of my projects, a Pi is what I'm going to use because all I'm doing is running like a little micro server that I wrote. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm running this on my dedicated server that I also have. A Pi but, is really good for But for prototype. those other it's 10% so of projects, I want nothing to do with an operating system. Yeah, that's I mean, want yeah. to run Arduino. And I don't you get a, a dream in code. Yeah, dream in code. <laughs> like, I don't give a crap about all these other, like, little, like, MP I'm Lab in. and TI thing that he was talking code about. No. Composer I just want to use yes. Platform IO <laughs> with. Visual Studio Code, and I want to be able to hit PIO run, and or guess Vim. what? It compiles. And then it just runs when and you And then give it just power. works. Yeah. 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 So, Kyle, nice. do you want to weigh in real quick on what your favorite development board slash microcontroller is? Uh, my i7 or AMD processor. Nice. <laughs> All right, fuck <laughs> off with that. No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> uh, in general, I've used probably more Pies, and then uh, outside of that, uh, all the ones you've already stated. The Arduinos. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the Arduinos, the SP. Nice. Yeah, I, mean, I only yeah. use the 8266. I don't think I've used the 32, personally. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of uh, Raspberry Pis, yeah. me Delicious. and Alex one day, we were messing around at work. Oh, um, are you going to talk about the dang... The fork bomb. Yeah, he's going to talk about the fork bomb. I knew yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> we were screwing around at work one day, and we decided Good to meme. try to run a fork bomb on a Raspberry Pi. What is the fork bomb? I just wanted to know what would happen. <laughs> Good so question. a fork bomb is like maybe 10 characters. I, I don't know the exact Let me, one. I'm going to go look up the yeah. code. A fork quick. bomb is 10 characters. A fork bomb is a like 10-character command, which the idea of this command is that if you run it in your Linux terminal, that it's going to create another function that then runs itself that then runs another function that is itself. So it's basically a recursive loop that locks up your processor. So the idea of it is that it keeps Solid. forking itself into a new process tree that then forks itself. So it's it's an infinite loop of basically making your computer have to restart. So the highlighted, what I just highlighted is a fork bomb. Okay, so for all of us at home who think that this is possible to parse, it's colon, opening parenthesis, closing parenthesis, and then angle or, or curly brackets that have a space, another colon, a pipe, another colon, an ampersand, a space, and then the closing <laughs> curly brace, a semicolon, and another colon, which can be understood as defining a function called fork that then runs fork, piped to fork. I don't know what the ampersand does and then calls itself again. The ampersand just kind of runs it and then gives it out of STD. So, so it so runs way. it in, it runs itself in, in the, the background. background. Yes. And then and then runs itself in the back. I mean, then it happens forever. So, <laughs> so I'm not, yeah. A function that calls itself twice. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's what it Every is. time. Every right. time, and then recreates itself. And the idea is, is that over time, depending <laughs> on how much, it, it, it's all big. Some fast systems should do it quicker, but then right. fast systems should be also able to handle the mm -hmm. fork bomb more. It's complicated on how So basically you, you brick this pie. You, you brick the system, but all you have to do is restart it. You're not like, corrupting well, anything. We, we, Unless if you make it happen like automatically or in startup. Now startup. that'd be a good way to ruin someone's computer, yes. <laughs> you just have well, to reinstall the OS. Yes. yes. But like- I when, made a hardware fork bomb. Yes. <laughs> I remember we hooked up- inside your CPU and it can't work Here anymore. the CPU acts as a fuse. <laughs> <laughs> so- so we, I remember hooking up this uh, Raspberry Pi, and we, yeah. I, I think we hooked it up over Serial. Yeah, we, we were watching it on Serial. Because we, we couldn't get SSH to work. Yeah. So nice. uh, he put in the fork bomb. And he was like, and that's it. Enter. <laughs> and then we waited. And we're like, oh, that's it. And nothing happened. So it, it, just, it, it, it instantly locked up the entire terminal, and it was dead. So yeah, it, was it was very nice. funny to watch. It was very dead. So <laughs> Processor's going, burr, I'm doing yeah, the best I like, can. <laughs> 
So yeah, we locked up a pie because we thought it'd be fun. It was a fun joke. I like yeah, that. Because that was the day. Joke. So I think that day was like the day after the 4th of July and me and Alex were the only two people hey, man, that came fireworks. to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, we were the only two yeah. people that came to work. Our supervisors didn't even come to work. It was oh, just man. me and Alex in the office. Oh, man. It was a, it was a lawless environment when the supervisors were all on your holiday or whatever. A you know, lawless environment? What, where you run fork bombs on rice? Well, no, because we're, we're, yeah, we're in a restricted <laughs> access area so nobody comes in to bother us oh, and we can just gosh. do whatever the hell we want. I can't tell you how many times uh, Vinny, we had an entire Electronics lab to ourselves. I mean, Vinny would awesome. be we watching wanted. those Minecraft shit post videos oh and, and just like blaring them. And then yeah, every time someone your... would come in, he'd just like freeze up. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, but time. can your microwave mi run Minecraft? Oh, oh man. man. Yeah, we, well, we, we definitely, uh, we learned a lot. Um, Four bombs crash pies. Making my yeah. microwave run Linux. Oh my god. <laughs> Why? I'm I pretty mean, sure most of them already do. Anyway, well, nowadays. the ones that run Alexa definitely do because Alexa's built on Ubuntu Core, fun fact. I'm sorry, what? There All the sharp ones have a dedicated a chip. Alexa? Yes, my, Amazon sells $50 microwaves that have Alexa built in. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't want Fun fact Alexa, Alexa, please microwave my head with the door open. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Alexa, please transport me to some weird anime All world. the people who have a uh, Amazon device right now, their, their Amazon device is you, like, we are calling social you, services. You right? should know by now, listen with headphones. That's all I'm going to tell you. Oh change God. the change the active word for your uh, device. I'm <laughs> not going to mute this out. If you're listening to this with, without headphones, I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, yeah. Your problem is you own an Alexa. So. Yeah, let's try. <laughs> All right, Chandler. I think you have I one final thing well, you wanted to mention. Hold on, I got to do one more thing. Okay, we got to hear this. Alexa, call mom. <laughs> you haven't spoken to your mother in a while. Come on. Yeah, exactly. All right. So anyway, anyway, GPT three. GPT three. Ooh, fun. that's exciting. Yes. It's terrifying. I've used it, it before. What is GPT three? It is, cool, a, it is cool. a natural, it, it is, oh, it's, nobody knows. I don't know, they we all know what it is and nobody knows Now they've got an yeah. AI that can I output sentences Pound like is. a human. It, I don't what know. is it, Kyle? I'm looking it up. So GPT-3 is a name of an, a third generation of a name of an algorithm made by this company called OpenAI. And what it does is it was made to complete sentences like Ian was saying. Yes. So you give it an input and then it would complete it. So the interesting thing is um, in order to get this to happen, uh, you kind of like need to know a lot about English in general and mm -hmm. also English words like um, cause the, uh, the boy owns a cat. He mm -hmm. named his cat, Bob, Bob played with his. And then if we were to complete that, you'd have to know about cats and the types right. of things that cats play with. GPT-3 right. you know? allows you to do that. You'd have to yeah. know Bob is a name. Fun you'd fact, GPT-3 stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer Generation 3. Wow. Oh I hate God, that I name. GPT is way better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we have about like. We have like five minutes left, by okay. the way. Um, so, but anyway, um, I've actually used GPT-3 before. I've actually played with it. I got access to the API. Um, which Everyone can have access to it now, though. Yeah. It's, it's actually it's, open. It is open now, but oh, nice. it's open, but you have to pay for it, I believe. Oh, right. Or is it open yeah, source? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they fully open source? I, I think like there's a trial period like most pieces of software. Yeah, I remember hearing Yeah, the reason why they're doing it this way is because they released GPT-2 open source. Mm -hmm. So that you can go download the source right. code and run it yourself on any computer you want. I got to run it on a Pi. Not in horribly, but it works. Yeah, the thing is it depends, right? Because GPT-2 is like really processor intensive because it- uh, GPT-3 is almost impossible to run on a system without a data center. Ah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> not that only that, but they're also afraid of bad actors utilizing it. In bad why ways. you have to pay for it. Well, yes, I mean, like, that's why they didn't it. release it, period, to the public, but now it is released to the public, actually. Yeah. So, like, they have... They, Interesting. Well, they're pretty Did confident they can they can stamp out the bad actors, though. You, they have control over who has access to API keys, so... Fair enough. Well, they actually didn't even release GPT-2 for that very same reason for, like, really? two years. 
Interesting. Yeah. They're like, so actually, I wonder if at some point GPT-3 will eventually come to whenever I GPT-4 think it is right comes now. along. Yeah, but like open source. You know? Open source and, you I think know, it is usable. open source. The thing is, I'm in order to run it, you need right a data center. Because so. oh, if GPT-3 is open source, I'm going to find a way to run this on my, my server. I'm going to catch Kyle's We need more cores. Larry, your house is our new data center, buddy. Yeah, right? Boy, he's going to have free heating in the winter. And in the summer. The answer is no. No? All right. GPT-3, there is a repo called GPT-3 on the OpenAI thing. However, GPT three is the exact same thing. If I recall, the GPT is the exact same thing. Same algorithm, everything. The GPT-2, new, the new trend is also GPT J, which is a fork of GPT two, that's supposed to be runnable <laughs> on a normal computer. Interesting. And slightly more trained. Interesting. The kind of interesting thing about GPT two when it first came out and they were too afraid to run it is that when they when they uh, they like made a little internal test just to showcase what it can do, yeah. and it's it had to generate articles for like news stories. And then ah, they read the yes. news stories and they totally sounded like legit articles. Like some person just went mm -hmm. through and they just yeah. be, it sounds like a human BSing an article. Right. Dude, I used to, I used to, for fun, we would run this and I'd be on a discord call and people would give me prompts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and we, and I gave, and the I would, party I, trick, and use I would, GPT for yeah. your family. I highly recommend it. Everyone goes out and do this actually. It's I would, hilarious. I, do, I would I run this through, dude, it. it read like my crazy uncle's Facebook. What? Oh my gosh. Yes. Just, <laughs> yeah. I put in, I put in, and you might have to censor these. I put in Obama, Bin Laden, 9-11. Susan YouTube is not happy about this. <laughs> and it, it read, and like, I don't even remember what it was, but it looked like my uncle talking about like some crazy alt-right conspiracy <laughs> theory with Bush did 9-11 or Perfect. something. Like it was hilarious. Some excellent light reading and, material and Colby for your crazy uncle. Colby suggested yes, that I start take his gospel. a satirical yeah. news website like The Onion, oh, no. but oh, I just God. generate all the articles using GPT-2. Too real. <laughs> you need to use you need to use GPT-1 or else people will think it's too too serious. Yeah, right. well, that's the thing is that I told him that I don't want to do that for that yeah. very reason. Yeah. I think people will think I'm being serious and, and that's the a problem. Babylon Ever been territory. on r slash <laughs> eat the onion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, lots of people eat the onion and it's only the people that... You don't want to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I problem. feel like the onion's gotten worse as of late. I don't know. They used to do really funny things like well, 10, 12 you, years ago. It's actually, I think that I would argue it's just you've know. grown up and you realize how sad and depressing the world really is. Oh, no. I only, <laughs> ever, <laughs> I only ever found out about the onion a couple years ago. Oh, all right. Well, fair I enough. I don't know. They did some really funny video like, how does an Olympic archer avoid shooting arrows into the crowd? And now... <laughs> And now it's just the like the weekly digest or whatever, which is still you know funny, but it's not quite the same level of you know. Yeah, I kind of I kind of want to do a video with GPT two or three that um we'll do two because it's free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is related yeah. to making like uh having a cooking series video. Oh where, boy! Uh, oh, you want us to cook with GPT three? Yes, the instructions are generated oh, by oh, GPT yes. two or three. I'm horrified. I had they it generate a recipe and it was hilarious. Bad. And if we try to follow those instructions to the T, we might burn someone's house down. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> but, I've seen something like this before. I don't remember what it was, but it was just the the instructions were so vague. You really had to have some creative freedom. Take the gasoline like, and fry get, your get steak. Get the item hot, and then you're just like, "What does that no, mean?" It's, it's, it's very oh explicit. Gosh. It's just explicitly wrong. But if you took any <laughs> sentence out of context, it sounds kind of like a cooking instruction. Right. Oh it's no! It's like you know, take the turkey and put it on the platter in the oven. 
cook on Guys, high. Guys, we should just make a blog that we just have it post GPT post to <laughs> oh as a meme. Honestly, there's probably half the internet is already like we that. Just, we just don't half know. The internet We're bad bots. at We can't tell. It's just GPT two bots. Everybody on tell. the internet is a bot, but you. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we have about well, two minutes and thirty system. seconds left. <laughs> Thank you again for the readout chain there. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I know you guys can see the clock, but yes, do you guys have any closing thoughts or do you want to continue the GPT conversation or what do you guys want to talk I'll about? I'll just make one last joke. We uh, we uh, just feed all of our podcasts into GPT-2 and then we have <laughs> GPT-2 regenerate like blog articles and other garbage for yes. us, you know? Generate the description on YouTube. Yeah, well, we exactly. need to first, we sure need to do natural language well. processing. Yeah. We need to first extract yeah. all of the us talking into text first. Wait, what's that? Thanks, I hate it. What's that? Uh, there was a tool that used to do that. Um... The script? The script is a popular uh, one. Uh, Liarbird. Liarbird oh, shut down. I'm so sad that Liarbird disappeared. Oh, it did. Because what is Liarbird? Like, dude, so, Liarbird was so cool. You yeah. could like feed your voice to it, and it would generate a really, really close inform, like, yes. clone of your voice. Oh, I awesome. did one in a funny accent just to see what would happen, and I think you had to say like maybe like 20 sentences. Words. It yeah. wasn't that many. Yeah, and it would just be like, say these sentences. And then by the end of it, you were able to, like a speech you to text. You made your own Siri. You could type in any text, and yeah. it, would, it would sound like like you and it was pretty weird it, it still was, sounded a little bit robot yeah it was, it was a little was robot good enough that like like i would want it anyone James would recognize B, it was me making a silly on YouTube voice recently did something using a similar thing where i don't recall exactly who it was the guy from like the discovery channel he sort of nature the concern with Liarbird. I think it was Attenborough. He, David Attenborough? Yeah, I think he fed a bunch of lines nice. from David into something like that and then regenerated oh, his own perfect. funny the, like The concern thing. is, yeah. though, is that people are going to use that technology to make really incriminating right. videos of people. With deep correct. fakes mm -hmm. and with the Liarbird. The, the weird thing, though, is like if you are determined, you can do that on your own right now today. Right. That's, I think, what people were saying. Yeah. Uh, even on the website, I think one of the three examples they had was they had taken so many of, at the time, President Obama's, like, text speeches, all of his speeches, yeah. and they fed that into their AI to have tons of training data. But then that was one of the examples was you could use that. But then they're like, well, here's in the privacy policy. You know, you own the rights to your voice, and we may ask you to, like, be able to offer you money to use your voice, but we'll never use it without your permission. But then it was like, well, yeah, but... How you know? How can you enforce all of those rules? It gets very complicated. Yeah. So it was an interesting project, but I understand how it I should ultimately mention, didn't work out. That doesn't mean I think that these tools should be regulated. I am not. I'm not. The problem I'm is these tools exist now, and they yes, will continue. They and they don't have it regulation. And you can download all the open source code and stuff for them. All right. Yeah. So like, it, it, I would love to do that. I think that'd be another cool casual coders project. So Turn just, our voices into robot voices. It's just funny to make our never, own home assistant. No, that's no. Alex's voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be super sick. That would be really <laughs> cool. I, the one, hey Alex, <gasps> it works. <laughs> it works. Oh, I don't understand. Why am I using Rip everyone voice? out there who's named Alexa, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think like, it's a or less just, popular And not just name. Alex's voice, but imagine like you could pick any one of our friends' voice yeah. and use it. I think that'd be a cool project to do. It yeah, would be yeah, interesting. interesting. One thing I think is kind of sad, though, is for these companies that do exist and then they go out of business. Um, Liarbird didn't they, go out of business. They were bought out. Yeah. Oh, oh were they bought out? They, they bought are just out. not Liarbird anymore. Gotcha. Someone else bought it. I think it would be kind of an There's interesting concept is if, if your business goes out of business and so your code normally would go stagnant, mm -hmm. if it would instead get released open source. That's Ooh. what I want to do. If like, say it's kind of like a so, okay. switch okay. projects, but like closing rare. thoughts, dead man switch in your code. Yeah. yeah. Closing thoughts. Say worse. Say one of my startups doesn't work out, which the odds are probably one of them won't. <laughs> yeah. You don't um, say. Yeah. I'm going to be real. Like one of the, like not all of my startups are going to work out. My goal is I would like to open source the code that doesn't work out. Like simple as that. I want to open source the code that doesn't work. Someone can take advantage of it. Hey, if if Amazon or Twitch wants to use it, feel free. Like if I open source it and I really send a permissive license, do whatever you want with it, Des. Yeah. Like, 
I, I just want to see my idea eventually turn into something with I'm that all open, for open source, source card. Yeah. That being said, um, that's not going to happen until we decide. Yep, it flopped. All right, cool. Here's the code. None of mine are open source yet, but someday. I'll, Maybe I'll someday. All. I need to Maybe collect one them of all. These days, I actually yeah. hope not. Cause then I'll I feel be like I want to finish them first or at least get them working. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I think something that was the Casual Coders podcast. It was one of our more technical episodes, I think. Definitely one yeah. of the more technical ones. About but it, I really enjoyed it, though. pretty well. We actually brought back the namespace. Woo! Yeah, we did. Oh, <laughs> we, we haven't talked about code in a long time. We got we to gotta do that every once in a while. Yeah, got to remember. We usually just got to remember our talk about tech. Yeah, we're the weird geopolitical conflict. Geopolitical <laughs> conflicts and technology. Oh god. Yeah. I also find it pretty funny that we're the casual coders, but we're all professional programmers by trade. Anyway. It happens. I mean, <laughs> whatever. I'm the one that came up with that. Uh, me Fair and Kyle enough. are the ones that came up with that it's name catchy. too. You like I like it. it. It's catchy. Like it's it. good. It's it. just, it's it just pretty funny. The nice uh, juxtaposition of casual coders yes. versus literally professional programmers. Sometimes we're casual. Sometimes we talk about yeah, code. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Casuals in our free time. We don't want to owe you too much. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed watching this podcast. I certainly enjoyed being here with everybody and chatting for quite a while about some casual code and all sorts of other unrelated topics. We'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.